Hi, this is Jim, and this is Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. Yes, we're back. We're here, and I already kerfuffled. We had been recording for about five minutes, and I realized I hadn't been recording. This is what happens when I take a week off, guys, so that's my commitment. I'm not going to take a week off, or I'm going to try not to, but last week was a really weird deal. So I went down, I made a, I made plans to go down to go see a friend and possibly scout some stuff out for future endeavors, we'll say. And I got down there and it started raining and it was raining. And then I had the week off because it was Thanksgiving last week. So I was like, well, I'll get out Sunday. And I don't know what it is about Kansas City, but like their 50 degrees feels like a Minnesota 60 degrees. I don't know. And yes, I'm Minnesotan talking about the goddamn weather again, but whatever. I love to talk about the weather because it's always on my mind. I don't know. Kind of like mopeds. But we got out road, and then I was going to ride Monday, and then I helped her, my friend Marie with some of her bikes, and then I was taking a nap, and I was reading an email, and I screwed this up the timeline before. I screwed this up. I got um, a DM from a friend of mine saying, I got to send you some parts. You got fin- You got to tell me what you think. So I'm like, okay, can we get these overnighted to Marie's? And he's like, yeah, we can. We'll just do this. That Okay, sweet. So I was just going to be there till Wednesday at this point. And then Marie comes in and tells me, we're going to have a moped Thanksgiving. Okay, so I had to make plans. I had to ask my guests to push back a week. We made plans. We're going to record um at one of the spicy boys studio who does a podcast a sports podcast and a few other ones Dwayne, awesome guy super nice totally condom accommodating i'm tired big words whatever um so it's me marie who shy as can be when it comes on the microphone yes marie i know you listen i know when you listen and i know i'm gonna get you on here someday um him her and i did a podcast and it was a different format and how they he records versus how I record. And I think I might have erased the whole podcast. So that's why we didn't have a podcast last week. Um, but yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for listening. I got something very interesting happened to me when I got home. I had two pieces of mail. Um, one was from Marie, who is just kind of a jokester herself. She wrote, she sent me a card when I was staying at her house, just saying, you know, it was awesome riding that day. And another one was from the boys, uh, lucky of, um, two smokes moped club out of Idaho, I believe. Um, maybe some of you guys post saw the posting on second chance pod, the Instagram account. Um, thank you. That's, I mean, I'm not going to get into what the letter said, handwritten letter, which is awesome. And that's something I think I got to do some people. It's easy to write an email it means something when people write letters to each other and you warmed my heart to smokes. That's all I can say. You really warmed my heart with that one. Um, I'm glad I could be a part of your moped journey as well, but enough with the sappy of all that stuff. Um, don't forget if you have any questions or have any guests you want to suggest second chance moped, uh, is our Gmail account again, second chance moped at gmail.com. Second Chance Pod is the Instagram account. And with that being said, I, I said earlier in my little rambling there, uh, I had to ask our guests to push back a week. And this person had been got had been brought up by a few previous guests about how he had helped them understand mopeds more and 
just the culture and the scene and what a nice and inviting person he is. So I thought to myself, oh, shit, I got to reach out to him then. And of course, him being the rad and nice individual that he is said, yeah, sure. Just let me know what when we can do it. And we're going to do a podcast right now. So why don't I have my guest introduce himself again? Uh, hello, I am Mike Boyd in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike, welcome again. Um, so I'll run you through the I'll run you through the format again. Um, here on Second Chance Moped Podcast, we start out what it was like very first time you saw a moped or conceptually remember seeing a moped, and then to your first ride, uh, and kind of your moped journey from there. You know what it was like, you know, middle part of your journey, and then kind of what it's like today. But first off, let's start out. What's your very first memory of a moped? Um, well, you know, bef- when we did the recording before, I feel like I was rambling a little bit. Do you want me to? No, dude, you did great. And I was, I was, I was interrupting you just like I just did there. So, oh, no worries. Um, well, so in 2006, I was living in Los Angeles. I'm back here again, but I've moved around a lot uh, since then. I had no idea what a moped was at all. No concept. Did you could have shown me a picture of one? I would not have been able to identify what it was. Um, I had an inkling that I wanted to be a motorcycle rider just because I thought it was cool, but I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle and didn't really know how to go about learning it. Um, So just sort of like this thing I wanted to do eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, The first mention of a moped, I had a friend in LA that moved to San Francisco and she said she could help get me a job to move out there. And I was really excited because I wanted to get out of LA. Yeah. In an email she sent me uh, one Monday, she had mentioned over the weekend at her like flat in Hate, where she lived with a bunch of other people her age, that a moped gang had shown up <laughs> and just like been the life of the party and, you know, really just playing dice, drinking beers, making rowdiness. And I, I was really dismissive about it. I was like, man, there's no such thing as a moped gang. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like a bunch of dweebs probably, you know. Just, we are, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know, you know. Come to find out, I'm one too. Uh, but you know, I was I was definitely very uh, dismissive and sort of kind of didn't believe what she was saying or thought it was dumb. Just mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, Closed minded. Well, so, you you thought like we all did, bunch of Vespa geeks on scooters yeah. and like, dude, to- I still look at people. I can still look at people going down the street on like scooters even or like or even mopeds like you just look at i have the eyes through a mopeder but like if you look at that they are we're fucking dorks and that's oh, okay yeah. like we are oh. the nerdiest people ever that yeah in fact i mean it's what i love the most about the scene and it's wh- how i choose most of my bikes but you know and, and now uh somewhat you know however many years later i ride scooters all the damn time as well mm-hmm. as mopeds so you know here we are but yeah, she, she had sent this email and I, I had dismissed it and sort of thought it was funny. Um, I got the job, moved, moved to SF. This is, I think, 2007, but everything's a blur. Yeah. I was working at this pretty grueling job, long hours, uh, a lot of hours in a truck. And my coworker was a creature, uh, okay. Travis, Travis Duell, creature of the loin. And uh, he would always tell me while we were in the truck, like going to site or coming back about his amazing adventures over the weekend in San Francisco. And when I, at that time and at that age, I was really shy, mm-hmm. didn't make friends very easily, um, just kind of hung out in the corner with a beer, didn't really know <laughs> what to do with myself. But Travis was like the opposite, so outgoing. And so he 
would just regale me with these stories about like, oh man, we went to Kalamazoo and like we were riding mopeds everywhere and like our gang fought this other gang, but not really fought, <laughs> but you know, and, and all this crazy subculture information that I just thought was so fascinating. And he asked me that same question, like, do you know what a moped is? And I, I said the answer like, oh, it's like a Vespa, right? Like, which yeah. is the answer that everyone mm-hmm. gives. Uh, you know, and he was like, no, dude, no, no, check it out. You got to see, like showed me pictures on, he had like a flip phone or something. I don't remember, yeah. but he was like, no, check, this is my Magnum that I had. I made it all white. Like they were well into customizing this stuff, you know, yeah. in San Francisco. Uh, so I was just sort of taken in by this whole concept of mopeds and, and, and the, the culture and the crew more than the vehicle. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I started. I, I didn't know how to turn a wrench to save my life. I mean, I worked at a gas station. I could fix a flat tire and easy stuff, but you know, I, just, I couldn't. I think you're engine. probably downplaying your knowledge a little bit. I mean, even if you're working at a gas station, because like I was the I was selling cigarettes. Like I would well, maybe maybe patch a tire if some if yeah. like the mechanics were busy, but like no, I wasn't. I didn't know a carburetor from a cylinder. Honestly, like I just didn't was not what I knew. Yeah, yeah. And 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 really wasn't interested in that kind of stuff at the mm-hmm. time. And a lot's changed, but <laughs> uh, Sacramento rally happened and I didn't have a moped yet. Still was sort of like new to San Francisco. And Travis said, Hey, you should come down to Sa- in Sacramento. They're having a rally. It's going to be dope. And I believe this was total letdown. Um, the rally, which was not, did not live up to his name. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was going to sh- like, you had yeah. me for a second. I'm like, Oh, it's so you stay. It sucks. And I just quit mopeds. Yeah. No, Zach always, uh, those those lovely bastards, they always name their rallies, like just in the most self-deprecating ways. And they're mm. always so great. Um, so that was my first taste. Like I showed up in my Acura or whatever. Like I, you know, I didn't have a moped. I drove drove down on a Saturday. So they already been there Friday. Yeah. And one, another creature, Sean Newport, was nice enough to like let me doubles on his Magnum and like talk about feeling like a fool. Mm-hmm. Like two men i had like a loner helmet on like two men on a magnum like in downtown sacramento like i was like this is both thrilling and awesome but also just so stupid that i just i i fully love it yeah because of those things like it is so like dude in like some red sports car obviously pulls up next to us revs all that shit yeah sacramento people just hey what are you you know, yeah, yeah. Word. <laughs> no, 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 dude. I get, yeah, yeah. I can only yeah. imagine, especially in 06 before, like, I understand there's a lot of gentrification going on in Sacramento and everything else. And things are a little more grittier back then. We'll say like, yeah, I can't even imagine like, and that's that you talk about the red sports car. I love it when people like try to flex on you. It's like, dude, dude, I'm on a fucking moped. Like, <laughs> I got like maybe 70 cc's yeah, yeah. happening with two people on it. Like, yeah. look, at, look at you. <laughs> like, the fuck hey, it's great yeah, yeah that yeah. shit makes me so happy it's been, yeah uh so i just absolutely adored it and everyone was so nice the creatures uh amazing crew and we went to parties da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. madness happened and i just was like let me be a part of this yeah i was ready um travis sort of like walked me through like kind of like sped me up on the oh no if you're gonna get a moped like for San Francisco and like, you're going to want a Magnum. Like they're really expensive. Like, you know, I'm broke. I don't have the money. What were Magnums going for back then? Like I'm only in the scene, like four, three, four years now. So like I see today I'd, I've gotten cheaper, especially like, I think there's a thing where like you first start out, you're willing to spend money. 
And then you get a few bikes, if you will, in the inventory. Then you become super cheap and you haggle with everybody else. And like, oh, yeah. I got, I got a little bit, just touch, touch, little about my story. Like, I got two hobbits given to me, so I got, I sort of varied it out from the gate. So like, I don't oh, yeah. accents. And like, you say San Francisco on a Magnum, I'm like, like I've been out to San Francisco a few times. Like, I wouldn't do it. Like, I'd be varied all the day, all day. Well, that's a really good point because. Uh, you know, he was mostly t- creatures had a lot of flair, and mm-hmm. th- there was some amazing mechanics in that crew, like doing amazing stuff at the yeah. cup races and stuff. But by and large, like it was style, and it was like how you looked. I mean, this was you know SF, and it was like hipster season, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so he was, you know, it was, it was more about having the Magnum as just sort of like that's the pinnacle you know, in his mind, as he explained it to me, and I'm probably not doing him justice. He probably gave me way better advice than that. That's a long time ago. Um, yeah. And I, he, he's well out of mopeds at this point, but um, I finally found one in like bumfuck Ohio. I don't even remember mm-hmm. what the town was. I found it on like eBay or something. Of course. And yeah. I, this is how desperate I was. And it was like for 500 bucks or something. And it was a MK2 silver. And I was like, that, yep, that, I want it. And I bought it without having any idea how to get it to San Francisco. I was like, let me just pay you, homie, and I will figure it out. Exactly. Um, and while this was happening, I was like sort of coming out of my shell a little bit. Uh, the creatures were really helping me with that, like house parties all the time, rides, moped Mondays. Um, you know, I was still like super shy, like didn't know how to like really talk to people. Smoked a lot of cigarettes on the corner, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there were just so, and man, that was the biggest club back then. There was like almost 50 members at its peak. I mean, this wow. is a big club in a small city. So, you know, they really had a big footprint. And mm-hmm. if you hung out with those guys and girls, you, you always had something to do. You always had someone to talk to our forums. Cause I mean, Facebook was kind of stupid back then. And MySpace was on its way out. Um, so the forum, like the, the, uh, creature forum was actually like pretty, live that's like where you'd find a bunch of like secret stuff to do okay on oh, was this his um, own independent site like i've never heard like again being a noob is this um its own like independent site or like what how like where was this form hosted at is my question was it like a yahoo form group or something yeah so no back then um including now but it's not really used that much uh and it depends it's club by club but back then um the creatures heavily used their because moped army if you're in like a official gang you get your own oh, form. okay oh okay so yeah, it's, yeah. it's everybody that's in your club uh honoraries everybody that's, that mm-hmm. you've decided is in your club has a little symbol by your name um and at this point in t- uh, 2020 like who the fuck needs that there's so many ways to talk to people but yep. this was so far back like there was no whatsapp there was no group me there was no like facebook messenger like none mm-hmm. of this shit so people were really using the forums to be able to like directly connect with people uh, in yeah, the city texting was barely with. a thing i mean yeah, yeah i mean yeah yeah i mean i remember travis again on a, he had like a sidekick and all day at work he'd be on the forums just typing away on his big flip keyboard yep and I was just like, what do you like? What do you keep doing on that thing? And he's like, oh man, I, I found like six parties happening tonight. And like, we're going to go to, you know. So I don't even know where I was going with this story, but that's, that's how I got Communication, uh, you know, dude, exactly. <laughs> it it um, was great. That's so I was a creature. And I, I, that's where I was going with this. I finally got the Magnum because another creature who was, uh, had moved out of San Francisco and was living in Elkhart, uh, Joy. A lot of people know her. Um, She's been kind of MIA recently, but 
Joy was a creature before I was in, but she had moved away before I had become a creature. So I'd met her at the Sacramento rally and I haven't seen her in many rallies since uh, early on, but she used to work as an RV delivery driver awesome. and she would take RVs from, I believe Elkhart is the right place. And she would drive it to wherever. And she mm -hmm. told me, Hey, you know, if I have a route that goes near where this Magnum is in Ohio and is heading out West, I will swing by and deliver it to you. That's and you just so gotta awesome. like comp the gas, if anything. And, yeah. and honestly, I don't remember if she actually asked me to do that or not, but yeah. she brought it to, uh, brought it to my house. Yeah. That's and, so moped man. Because like oh, the, the thing could be leaking. These are probably brand new motorhomes. She's delivering. Like, so these are like, even back then, these are like 40, $50,000 vehicles that like, we're going to throw this freaking 30 year old moped in. It's probably got a transmission leak. Fuck dude, it. Like that's so seriously. mopeds. I love it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the moped community right there. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Travis was teaching me all that shit on the job too. Like we were devious about the kind of things we'd borrow from work to, for like parties and for garages and stuff uh it was a very much like a scene of like you know take what you can get we're kind of we're sort of like out outsiders and yeah and a subculture and we uh, you know we help each other at all costs so yeah. you know again i don't know joy she'll probably never <laughs> i don't think she has ridden a moped in a very long time but if you ever listen to this, thanks so much for bringing that to me. That was the nicest. Well, thing. I have a way of finding people, and I might have to just—I really wrote, wrote her down. I might have to track Joy down to send her a link for this. Then, yeah, uh, please do, because man, she's she's great, and I've seen okay. her several. Like I said, she was she was a big rally presence back in those days, and uh, we all miss her. And yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah. So you learn, you get your Magnum. Um, you're learning about mopeds. Like where, where's the creature sourcing their parts from at this point? Cause you said they're all about like, it sounds like they're more about the, I don't want to sound like an asshole when I say it, but it'll come out wrong. Um, they're, they're both, their bikes looking good and clean. May, uh, were they in the performance side of it? How was the performance side of it at this point for the creatures and indoor for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, so creatures generally, and like you mentioned, San Francisco, like a variator would have done much better. And there were several hobbits and, and a lot of French bikes. Mm -hmm. And to be back then, like I just saw a bunch of bikes. Like, mm. what's the difference? I don't know. I don't care. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, there was there was a whole, they called it Le, Le Resistance, like the whole Frenchie group. And mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> there was a couple of hobbit guys, a guy, Hobbit Nate, who just was ripped, man. That guy was so fast. He actually went on to, to develop, help develop Monday motorbikes. Um, Awesome. But there, so there was a lot of like, there was a lot of tinkering and a lot of fast stuff happening. So I, I might've misrepresented the part, the people in the part, cause the gang was so large. Yeah. The people like you're saying I, 50 people. Yeah. So there was so many opportunities to like get to know these people. And so, although there was like a very um, gearhead component of people that would work on bikes and soup them up. And it definitely was like who had the fastest bike was very important. Uh, I never, obviously never did, but um there was also a component of people that like didn't necessarily want to do all the wrenching and stuff or know how or were mm -hmm. able to, and they were more interested in like the camaraderie, the group, the parties, the rallies, um, you know, whether you host it or visit sort of repping the the scene and, and doing that. And that's, that's very much where I fit in, fit in, in San Francisco. Um, but we had like Chris Paz who like made a bunch of cool stuff back in the early days uh, before 1977 had such a black eye. Um, <laughs> You know, 
I think the first like aftermarket clutch springs for uh, for E50s was like Paz did that, and and he used to like case match stuff for people. Um, we got our stuff from directly from Benji. I mean, yeah. Treats was so small. The first, so as soon, once I got that Magnum, Jarvis was like, okay, now you got to make it go fast. He's like, here's what you need. Polini, 15 Bing, air filter, and a Homet 6P. Mm-hmm. And that's like what all the creatures ran until they like, you know, graduated to Delorto or something. Yeah. But he was like, you're a beginner. Trust me. This is the, this is the easy stuff. Yeah. This will get you 40. Point, yeah. Yeah. Get you up the hill. Uh, yep. And it had, a, had a ZA. So like, man, I didn't know shit about mopeds. It's so, so bad. <laughs> but I, I was so, you know, I was really nervous. I was like, okay, what do I do? How do I get these parts? And he was like, oh, what is, what is text Benji? So he texted him. <laughs> we like met him on a street corner, like round from that's his house. So awesome. It, you know, like that's how it was. He like, he'd sold out of his apartment early on. And this was all part of this thing that I felt like I was getting like, the magic key to they were like yeah you can get parts you just text this guy and like, yeah. it's like a drug deal yeah yeah that's uh, what i was gonna say like dude you're putting shit on street corners and several yeah i've done like, stuff on street corners but it didn't have mopar parts involved but whatever here's your planning kit man like i don't know i mean it, it just was so cool um because like where else like at, at that time like where the fuck else do you get moped parts yeah. and bless them because you know and you know i've spoken about this just on on chat but like what what treats has done what benji has done like i didn't recognize it at the time but now looking back it's like wow you know i just got to give of course like just so many props to him and and all the people that helped him out with with Treatland because having just gotten a glimpse of it in the early days and and just sort of his dedication to it and the Mm -hmm. way he was able to like i mean i've seen them move from each warehouse like bigger and bigger and bigger and this is in san francisco where like property is not cheap until now they're in a like Cerrito or whatever, El Cerrito or whatever, but and I can't, I can't thank them enough because, like, like you were saying, Benji did this from the beginning. But Benji, from my Benji's a smart, smart enough businessman to insulate himself with other smart moped people to help him go forward. Because, as we all know in life, nobody does it by themselves, and that's what's yeah. awesome about that whole situation. Like, same with everybody else at Dose and Denny's. I mean, I can't it's not just treats that keep us thriving and alive. And I mean, we all talk about treats. We all know how great they are, but like we can't, and you know, we all saw the sales go out. I had my, yeah, (laughs) I'll tell you about my basket incident uh, after the podcast, but we'll get back to your story. So you're, you're meet, you're doing shady moped deals on street corners with Benji and you're getting, um... you're getting parts. So here's these boxes of parts in my hands. And I, and I, again, like, I don't know what these things are. So I, I'm basically, and I, I, I realize how this sounds. And I think this goes into later on, like why I treat mopeds the way I do now. And like, why I, like I wanted to do moped workshop LA and stuff, but it very much was like, I was like being led to like, here's, here's what the done thing. Here's the kit you get. And I'm so happy for it because I, I was, I would not have known otherwise I would have been on a stock. Mm-hmm. magnum that like ran until it needed someone to fix it and then it would have you know i just didn't know what i was doing so luckily i had at that point met graham graham french who was the captain of the creatures as well he was also he's a photographer he would be on site with me while i was working and um he offered because at that point i was working all the time making a bunch of money but mm-hmm. i had no free time and very little skill. So I was like, look, man, I mean, I'll pay you for your time because I 
don't have the tools or the knowledge mm -hmm. or the space. Uh, but I bought these parts. <laughs> Can you put them on my bike? And he spent, you know, a day with me showing me how to install a Pliny uh, meticulously, like, you know, here's how to chamfer ports and like none of that stuff meant anything to me at the time, but I paid a lot of attention. You know, you want to pull this cylinder, you want to install one cylinder stud, but for the home at not the one on the left because the pipe angles out. So you want to use like an Allen, you know, he had, he had all these tricks and basically kind of had it all figured out, like knew sort of where to start with the tuning. So we spent a day uh, at his loft workshop that he was like renting out and he put the kit on and the pipe and the, the carb. And I remember he, he took it out downstairs. And, and again, I had never ridden a motorized two-wheel vehicle in my life, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so even like when it was stock, I was like, okay, this first got on it. Like, this is a little intimidating, but oh, I get it. I'm figuring yeah. it out. Okay. Like it wasn't natural to me, but I, I was able to like get it. When he kicked that Pliny over and it started for the first time, it sounded like just the weed whacker from hell. I was like, yep. whoa, dude. Like it was like, yep. like you know, echoing across the buildings. And I just was like, holy shit. He's like, oh yeah, that sounds great. It's like revving it. <laughs> and he's on his motorcycle because, you know, those, the creatures rode everything that they could put their hands on. And uh, he's like, okay, so I think it's pretty good tuned. It's, it's idling. Um, but We'll have to figure it out as we ride. So like, just follow me. We're going back to the mission. And I was like, well, what? Like, ride it now? And he's like, yeah, just follow me. So he jumps on his motorcycle and just hauls. And he's yeah. splitting lanes, as we blessedly can do here in California. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. And I just tried to follow him. Have never been on a vehicle that fast. And, you know, of course, like, what? It's like 45, 50, maybe. Yeah, but uh, still, the lucky. first time first time ever being on something that fast, turning that many RPMs, like, I... I'm jealous of people who have that experience for the first time on a moped. I, a little, I'll, I'll, we can talk later, but like my backstory, like I've been on very, very fast vehicles as a youth. And when I got on a moped that went fast, it just felt right. It felt like it, it, it had been something I had been missing for 15 years. So nice. Yeah. It's yeah. like it had unlocked its potential unless you were back to it. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, that was not my experience whatsoever. My experience <laughs> was like, what the fuck is this thing? Like, yeah. do I trust it? Like, because of course, as he's building this for me, he's like, we do this so it doesn't seize, 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 mm -hmm. seize, da, da, da. Like a lot can go wrong. Totally factual. A lot will, was, not could, will yeah, go wrong. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, we're talking about mopeds. I don't care how good you are. Uh, that is a fact. And uh but that ride back to the mission, uh, I was scared. I tried my best to, to, to keep up with him through the lane splitting, but I, I didn't have the skills yet to, or like the bravery, I guess, to like really just push it. But, I, you know, I, I kept up pretty well. And I'm and willing we to bet he was fucking with you halfway because he just like got this noob. I'm going to see what, what the oh, kid yeah. can do. No, he, he no, was he not was. like, he was not uh, uh, babysitting me. He just was like, I'm I have to get back. I'm going. Yep. Follow me if you can. Yep. Uh, so it was. It was cool. It was really cool. Uh, I just felt like a whole new world had opened up. Like, oh shit, now I can go up hills. Now I can go on these uh, moped Monday rides because before mm -hmm. I sort of would do the meetup and then the ride would leave. And I was like, I know how you guys ride. I can't catch, I can't keep up. And I don't know the city well enough to just get lost. So I would, I would go on a few of them and then just like putter back home when I got, when I got separated. But I also knew it was kind of a drag for other people that were just like wanted to have fun. Mm -hmm. So now I was like ready to go on the group rides and yeah. I was, you know, extremely excited. And um, yeah, that was uh, that was my first bike. Uh, I love that bike. 
so you got that first bite going when I got, I haven't asked this question for a bit, but like you got your first bite going, you get your ripping. When's the first time you want to quit mopeds then? Cause we all have that, like something, what we seem like we think is catastrophic. The bike isn't running right. We can't figure it out. And like, you're just like, I fucking hate this is stupid. And you think, you know what you're talking about, but you have no fucking clue. Like when was the first time you wanted to quit mopeds with that bike? Well, you know, I can count on two hands and two feet how many times I wanted to quit mopeds. Uh, yeah. So many damn times. And I have quit uh, yeah. a couple times and always you know, get dragged back in. But uh, yeah. with that particular first time bike, um, the, the first dumb mistake I made is I, I had it in SF, still stock. I heard somebody else ride by. I was like, ooh, that's my chance. Cool, kick it over. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. It dies. I'm like sitting there, like looking at it, like, I don't know what to do. The guy comes back. He's like, you know, clicks my fuel pet cock to on. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I do that at least once a month still to this day. Like, (laughs) like. It is a classic move. I'm like really good about turning it off when I park it, but I'm not so good about turning it back on when I ride it. I'm terrible Uh, at it all the time, except for when I'm changing jets. And that's usually when it bites me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So but what's that, your the the quit moped part was when I <laughs> when I got a scooter because <laughs> <laughs> I was riding this Magnum around and you know I loved it and I wiped out on it a couple times and uh, did some more mods small stuff just like different handlebars and like little mm-hmm. things um, oh how did you do the blew, drop downs through, uh, not drop downs it was like a low rise because oh, okay. like this nice little low rise that they made and it felt way more comfortable um, you know. I think I switched it to five stars because it had snowflakes originally. A couple little things Good that man. I did to it. And, uh, but I had a ZA, like I mentioned, and mm-hmm. classic uh, idiot. And also, there wasn't as much ZA knowledge, I think, back then, but blew a bearing to the transmission cover. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Wants to happen. Uh, scored another transmission cover and eventually blew a bearing through that. No, I sheared a bunch of gears and then blew nice. a bearing through it. Yeah. So I, I, I grenaded two ZAs basically uh, with this Polini setup, and then I and then I grenaded the Polini. Uh, I finally switched to an E50 before I quit mopeds. Uh, I was like, ah, fuck it, I can't. I'm not. I'm not good. I'm gonna do an E50. This mm-hmm. this I can figure out maybe. And that was pretty good. Like I didn't destroy it. Um, but I had an opportunity to buy a scooter, a Yamaha Vino, for three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like brand new almost, but it had been hit by a car. Ooh. So all the plastics were like damaged, but that was it. It was missing okay. plastics and a hand and, and the, um, the rear brake lever was broken off mm-hmm. and the plastics were busted. And I was like 300, you say, cause another, like I'm working on a photo gig. Like somebody was like, Hey, we buy this off me. Like, I don't think it's safe to ride. And I'm like, Oh no, it's safe. Those plastics don't do anything. It's just, those are just fairings. <laughs> like, oh, okay. They don't yeah, cover yeah. the engine or anything. Yeah. It's just like there to look good. I don't want it anymore. 300 bucks. I was like, you know, I'm going to take this. Yep, yep. Even if it's a turd. The first time I rode a scooter, I was like, it's so different. It's so yeah. different. Not only is it variated, so it wouldn't have been as different for a, a knowledgeable Hobbit rider or any knowledgeable rider. But for me, it was like, whoa, this the response is different. Like it does, mm-hmm. but the wheelbase is so short. The wheels are so small. Everything's, and it felt like all boaty. Like it just yeah, so it's. Like, Cushy. Yeah, they're 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 different and they're not bad. I I ride scooters too. Like I don't care. Like I tell people all the time, 
I don't care. I bust people's chops all the time about riding scooters or shifty fifties, dude. I don't care. Yeah. It's, it's all fun. Well, I got it as like a gag almost like, like here's another vehicle. I don't have to care about it because it's already broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, it's never going to look good unless I put a bunch of money into it, which I won't do, <laughs> but look how funny this is. I have a scooter and of course being me i just started loving that thing because it was like oh wow it just starts when i want it to and it doesn't yeah. ever die and it yeah. just like and the lights always work like this is yeah. amazing and you can what, actually truck, see with the lights at night yeah it flips <laughs> up and i can put my helmet inside and close yeah. it when i go to the store like holy shit this is the greatest and it got so much flack because like you know even though it was like ironic to get it uh mm-hmm. i actually like deeply loved it and uh <laughs> i named it murder she rode because i just spray painted it flat black of course you did actually i think travis named it that but i i grabbed down to that name and, and loved it uh coming home I, I took it to the bar first just to show it off the first night i had it and had a couple of drinks heading back home up, up this hill in san francisco and yeah i was gonna say which hill Oh God! It wasn't the <laughs> that was a, that was a joke. I've been there twice. I know there's yeah, right. One of the many on my yeah. way home. Uh, this thing was maroon, by the way. Like the plastics that were still around was maroon, and it just, okay. it just looked ugly and dumb yeah. and weak. And I loved it for that. Uh, I get up to the stoplight. I'm just trying to get home. It starts drizzling, San Francisco style. Yeah. So my visor's getting kind of wet, and like the roads getting oily. I'm like, oh, uh, you know, another cold, miserable day in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I love this place, though. And up to my right, here comes a cop car. And I was like, oh, I'm not worried because, like, I had a couple beers, but I'm not, like, impaired at that time. I was very young, so I yeah. thought I could get away with everything. The cop, shit you not, revs his fucking engine. Revs it at me. <laughs> and I turn around, and there's two guys in this cop car, and they're looking right at me. And they're revving their fucking engine at this red light. And I was like, Jesus it's on, motherfucker. Fuck it. <laughs> so as soon as it turns green, I just fucking throttle it. Because I, I had been putting around all day, so I kind of mm-hmm. got how the bike worked. And I'm like, obviously, I'm quicker off the line, but just by a hair. And they didn't yeah. really gun it. They were just fucking no. with me. So they, they kind of gunned it half-assed. But then only a little half block later, the light turns red. So I'm like, ah, shit. So I go to grab both brakes. But the rear brake lever is broken. So I grab what I think is both brake levers, but it's just the front and it has a disc in the front. Oh, so I you're fucking flip it. Oh, <laughs> I endo that motherfucker. Oh. Flip, flip the scooter. I go sliding across the ground. The scooter goes sliding way further. The cop turns on his lights. I was going to say, come, do the cops at least stop for you, man? I mean, they come <laughs> running out. One goes to the scooter. The other goes to me. Hey, oh my God. Are you okay? Are you okay? And they're like kind of embarrassed because they definitely rev their fucking engine. At yeah. Me. But also they're sort of like, is this guy fucking drunk? Like, what does he yeah. feel? And I was like, sorry, man, sorry. The, the rear brake lever is broken. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I got up. I got to dust myself off. I'm like, no, the, the rear brake lever is broken. Like, I, it just grabbed the front. And the other cop just goes like, yep, he's right. Like, he, like, wanted, like, to be vindicated. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, checks out. Okay. So like, yeah. Well, they didn't safe. want to fucking paper trails what they didn't want. Is yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. They're like, all right, all right, be safe. Go straight home. And I'm like, yeah. yes, sir. That's where I'm going. <laughs> and. It, what I love about that is like I got an amazing funny story about scooters and those cops I guarantee you talked about how stupid this fucking scooter driver yeah. was when they got back to their squad room like you never guess what happened tonight man we revved our engine at this guy bailed so hard yeah that's fucking hilarious <laughs> I'm glad you came out okay 
that's fucking hilarious especially yeah so many so many people you hear endo in it on disc brakes and like yeah that's the beauty of the the short scooter stance and like it's it's really small wheelbase like i didn't fall far like i had some like Mm -hmm. hip bruising and like some road rash but uh you know by and large i was okay and and the scooter, like, oh, like it was already thrashed. So it didn't, yeah. it didn't matter at all. Like it didn't, didn't do anything to it. Let me ask you, was it a full face or was it like three quarter shell helmet? Oh, I always, and another good thing that happened was I was indoctrinated always to wear full face. Yeah. The creatures were really strict about that. Um, several of our members and the creatures uh, had missing teeth from, mm-hmm. and broken jaws from, from yep. not wearing a full face or from wearing like a vintage one. Yeah. And I um, bust a lot of people's chops and I don't care. Like there's a lot of Minnesota nice around here where like, they'll just be like, Oh, you should get, I'll just get in somebody's face, get a fucking full face. Cause like I was in a major accident and I'll tell everybody I didn't have a full face. How I didn't bust my teeth or anything like that is just another goddamn miracle. But like wear a full face people. I can't like, if I didn't have a helmet on that day, I'd be dead. That's a fact. If you see the helmet, like I'd be dead how I didn't bust my face open is I, I still don't know. Still don't know, but yeah, I'm glad Man. you're a preacher of the full face. Cause absolutely you guys we're never going to look cool riding mopeds. No. Well, the, the, the work around the creatures had was like, if you could afford it. And again, by moving there, I had gotten this, this better job for me anyway. So, mm-hmm. and I had no, nothing to spend it on cause I had no free time. So I bought a Simpson bandit. Cause like, that's what all the cool guys wore. And like, they, you know, it's like kind of the, at the time, the coolest full face. Uh, yeah. So I was definitely wearing that. They're kind of garbage helmets for what they cost. Dude, I had, I was um not to talk about me, but I was sponsored by Simpson when I was racing and I fucking hated those helmets. They all wind buffs so bad. So just, hard. Yes. Dude, the RX-8 was the biggest pile, $300 pile of shit ever. Like going quick, I, I raced go-karts all over. I was racing at a place called Quincy in the park. Like I was going they're clocking juniors going 65 in La horseshoe and that helmet was fucking lifting off my face the whole time and i don't know how yeah fuck of simpsons might have gotten better a full no. face is awesome but those things wind buffs so bad like they, they garbage they fit a little too loose no matter what size you get like they're mm-hmm. either like way too tight or they're way too loose and that that whole like darth vader chin that they're trying to do to make it look cool yeah. The first time I rode it, I wore my Simpson on my motorcycle when I finally got one on the freeway. I looked over my shoulder to the left and I almost fucking broke my neck. Yeah. That shit hit like a wind sail. It was like, mm-hmm. crack, like just yeah. hit the helmet. I was like, whoa. Uh, upgraded to a showy and never looked back after that. Right on, right on. Yeah. So you, you had that Magnum. What was your second moped then? Like you said, you got a scooter, you did the crash, blah, blah. blah. Like let's kind of go through your. <laughs> Let's go through your progression of bikes a little bit, my guy. So, so scooter was next and that was like turned into my daily. Cause I wasn't worried about it getting stolen. It always worked. <laughs> yeah. Once yeah. I figured the battery out, it always worked. Uh, and it just sort of did all the things you'd want in San Francisco that the Magnum was like the flash where it ride it on moped Monday rides, but hide it in the garage. Uh, you know, if you're trying to, show off or impress somebody like I would ride the Magnum because it was fun still mm-hmm. very fun but it by no means was the fastest bike in San Francisco by any stretch so I was like you know I think I'm a scooter guy like I think I'm a yeah. lazy motherfucker that just wants yeah. to get to the grocery store and like put the groceries under the seat um but then I finally well no then I bought again on eBay which I don't know why the fuck I was so into that uh I bought like a 
maxi two speed that had been flooded like it had had severe water damage okay literally like flooded. <laughs> yeah like not carb flooded like it it, it, <laughs> it had really been underwater night. folks <laughs> it looked yeah it definitely looked like it had it was like a like a discovery under the mariana trench or something it was they sold it for pretty cheap and i just told them hey man keep the frame sell that to somebody else send me the motor and the five stars please mm-hmm. so we did and i put those five stars on the on the um magnum and i was going to build the maxi i know i had been bequeathed the frame by somebody i can't remember i was going to build the second bike mm-hmm. but i never got around to it because i didn't have a garage like space i just had like one slot to fit the magnum in but like nowhere okay. to put tools or anything else um and the creatures had like a couple of like communal garages like if you paid a little bit you could store some stuff and tools and that's kind of how they were able to like work on their bikes and do as, all the stuff that they did but I just sort of wasn't, I didn't feel like that was anything I needed to do. Um, the next bike that I got was actually for my girlfriend who I'm still mm-hmm. with. So this is way back when. Yay. Yeah. So you got a girlfriend and had mopeds. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. It was an <laughs> outlier for sure. Yeah. yeah. She, she wanted a moped real bad. Um, she had used to ride motorcycles when she like, she got her permit when she was 16. She was from mm-hmm. Cincinnati. And her parents like, you're not allowed to ride motorcycles anymore. Took her motorcycle away, like made her sign something like, we'll help you pay for school if you promise not to ride a motorcycle. Oh, wow. We're just worried. They thought, yeah. you know, kind of condescending. Like She's a great rider. She's better than I am. <laughs> so she kind of found a loophole. When she moved to San Francisco, she was like, mopeds. I could ride one of these. Yeah. So we bought from Creature Elliot. It was called the People's Champ. And it was a Moby 50V that was always used as like a loner for rallies and yeah, he was yeah. finally ready to, he was ready to get rid of it uh it was great though it had the six stars uh had like some little like 60 cc melosi kit on it or something had some had the ducati cdi just some like really cool little things like a little mm-hmm. pipe but all in all like it was just like an off the line ripper hill climber yep maybe topped out at like 38 40 because it just yeah. like geared wrong but well, it um, sounds like it was geared for san francisco it was yeah it was a city bike it was great so i helped her buy that and that sort of became like our bike because i was responsible for kind of maintaining it um which was sort of my foray into getting more mechanical with mopeds like i was gonna say because you were talking a little bit before you weren't very mechanical and you're kind of getting a little more into it and okay yeah you pick it up i mean the creatures you know the things that were fascinating to me was you know again this is all like through like noob eyes i was like i would watch creature elliot he would break down on a ride, whip out this tiny toolkit. Five seconds later, he's back going again. Like he, like like the roadside, like these guys were really good. And I just was like, how do you know how to do that? Like, how do you know what's wrong with it? And he's like, I, like, I can help show you, but like, it's just, you you learn it, you know, like, and I was so, so on, like just awestruck by it all and, and how they were able to do that. And, even when I seized, like, I think they helped me back up one time and the other time they were able to accurately diagnose that I wasn't going anywhere, but <laughs> I just was so excited about all that stuff. So I started like kind of learning by watching. And again, this, so 1977 had several storefronts back in the day mm-hmm. uh, in lots of different cities. And this is when they had the, the San Francisco storefront. So a lot of creatures worked there and I would hang out and drink like four locos while they were, you know, Zach and Elliot and 
Graham and Mike Flynn, Joey, all the dudes were like working on like race bikes or customer bikes. And I would just try to like absorb because I didn't quite know it all. But if I didn't understand something, I would ask. Uh, I didn't help because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But yeah, that's sort of how I started like kind of through osmosis, picking it up and like mm-hmm. at least learning the terms because it's so important. Like very first step, figure out what is the carburetor? What is the intake? What is the cylinder? Yep. What is the head? Like figure those things out. Understand how the motor is supposed to operate, like the functioning of it at least is my philosophy. And like, yep. once you can kind of wrap your head around why this thing is working and how it's supposed to work, that's when you can start thinking like, Oh, okay. I think the timing is off or, Oh, yeah. you know, maybe it's fouled plug just because you can kind of diagnose the symptoms when you know what, why it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, so I started and that, like, that's awesome. You can learn like that. Like I'm for myself, I'm the learner that I literally have to take it apart and have it in my hands and then oh. might ask a question or two, like more of the Montessori, like I've got to see how this puzzle yes. all fits together. Like, and that's, what's awesome about mopeds. There's no wrong way to learn how to do stuff here. I think your way is actually the most important way and the best way. Um, one of the things Graham told me when I started getting the parts and, and asking for help to build it, he was like, here's the carburetor, take it home, take it apart. He's like, put it, get a box first. Cause mm-hmm. some stuff might fly everywhere, but like <laughs> take it apart every piece and put it all back together how you had it and then and then when you come back in like we'll talk and i did all that i I sat down used the the special treats tool like took the whole thing apart didn't know what anything was but i was like okay this is supposed to do this Mm -hmm. for whatever reason this is supposed to do this uh i I just saw how the mechanical stuff worked and that actually did help quite a bit and we don't need to talk about moped workshop but that was one of the classes we did two years ago is I brought in a stack of beings. I have mm-hmm. like a shit ton of 12 beings <laughs> and I, I made them as complete as I could. And I like, I had like a Shaw as well. And I think I had like maybe a TM24 or something, brought them all in, put them in little trays and did the same thing that Graham did for me. Mm-hmm. Anybody that showed up to the class, I said, today we're taking apart carbs, cleaning them and putting them back together. And that's what we did. Like, we didn't really talk at first about what each part was. It was more important about taking it apart, having it in your hands, seeing all the little parts and how they interacted. And then you can actually have like a relation to it. Like when you say like, yeah, so the smallest brass bit, like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, that's the jet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I agree with you. I think that is the best way to learn mopeds. Like, And I can't thank you enough for doing the uh, uh, LA workshop and being a teacher. Like I there's a new kid around that lives over on my side of the river and him and I were out riding Sunday and like he had the wrong, he just had the wrong plug in for his kit. And I knew that. And I was trying to explain, I'm a terrible teacher because I cannot articulate what is in my brain to get out, to tell him how it's, it's it's a, it's an art form, dude. My mom was a teacher for like 30 years. So like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So that, fucking missed me apparently. Cause like I can do stuff and I can tell you maybe a little bit why, but I, that's why I have a hard time like teaching people stuff like variation. I, I understand how oh, to make it work, yeah. but I can't tell you how to make it work. Well, don't beat yourself up about it though. Cause I think like it didn't, it doesn't come naturally to me at all. And a lot of the classes, uh, Nicole from the gaskets and bullies and Mike from the bullies. And I would kind of put our heads together and say like, what's the best way to teach this next week. And we would think about how we learned it. We would think about the resources that we had available to us. 
and we would think how much time we had available <laughs> and just try to come up with like what we thought was going to be the best method. And I, you know, most for the first year, I think most of the classes were not that engaging, unfortunately, um, because we were learning, you know, it's, it's yeah. not natural. So it's, it's hard to explain this stuff because all of us kind of learn it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to know the most approachable way to, to present it. So that was kind of always what we were trying to dial in is like, what we're not going to get everybody's full understanding, but how can we get everybody like pretty close? So they're all like on the verge of like really getting this stuff. Um, and I think the second year when we decided to do the full bike rebuild from like disassembly to reassembly is when we kind of, and again, that's like, that sounds exactly like what you mentioned the Montessori method. It's like, let's take this thing apart, clean it, fix what's broken and put it back together together mm-hmm. and that seemed to be at least from what i could tell like the the most uh the one that worked the best the method that worked the best that we did for teaching mm-hmm. and just having knowledgeable people there i'm sure like 90 percent of it from at least myself like learning mopeds is like doing it myself but then having a coach if you will or a teacher tell me like just the reassuring hand hey just do this and try this maybe and then it'll come back together um, and I know I threw his name out to you, like him and I chat a couple times a week, Maze, Maze has been awesome for me. Just like to at least talk at, and like, yeah. I generally figure it out and he's like, dude, you know what you're doing just, but, um, we'll get, we'll get a little more on the, and we'll, we will definitely talk about the LA workshop some more, but you said you, your, your time in San Francisco, you're, you're learning about how to wrench on stuff because just by necessity, I mean, even and it's okay if you don't know how in moped world, that's fine. Like, and that's okay to be the person who just, you know, wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's rad too. You don't have to be some people who I know who have been around a long time, don't know what the hell they're doing mechanically. And that's okay. I yeah, agree. Yeah. There's nothing. You can just be a moped person to have paid yeah. somebody to work on your shit. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you're having to learn now because your girlfriend uh, wanted to get a moped. She had the loop hole with her parents. She got that maxi, I believe it was, you said? It was a Motobacane. Motobacane, yes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so the the addiction, the collection is starting to happen. Um, oh, I should point out, at this point, I had sold my Magnum. Okay, how come? My very first bike. Uh, I thought I'd never sell it, and I turned out I'm a cold-hearted bastard and had absolutely <laughs> none of the attachment i thought I, I had gotten a motorcycle okay so now i had a scooter motorcycle and a moped and i needed money for a trip i wanted to do yeah and i was just going through things this is before i met Kristen and stuff i just sort of was like adrift and even though i had the creatures i just felt like nothing was making sense i think i had quit my job because they told me they were giving me like a raise and a promotion and they gave it to somebody else and there's all this backbiting and mm-hmm. just you know stuff that happens in your mid-20s um but i was like disillusioned by stuff and i maybe i was taking mopeds for granted at that point because i would ride the scooter or the motorcycle more often and i needed to make money because i wanted to do this europe trip because i had like something to prove and i'd never done one before or really been anywhere but mexico so i sold it is that why i sold it pretty sure that's why but I got like 15 for it, which is pretty yeah. damn good. Uh, Dude, that, yeah, 20, that's... 2009 or 10, something like that. 
Yeah, that's going right now, dude. I was gonna say, wow, that's what I was kind of. I mean, it was clean. So. It was like no dents. Mm-hmm. MK2 hydro hydros and everything in the front that had five stars as well that were silver and super clean, kitted, tuned. Like it was a very good looking bike. I mean, it was very basic. It wasn't like customized, but it was. Yeah. If you're just looking for a moped, and by that point I had upgraded the carburetor and several other things, and so you know it was ripping more than it had been. Um, but you know, I had to I had to sell it. I just felt like it was right the right time. And uh, so when Kristen got her moped, I didn't have one. Um, mm. <laughs> and I, that's the first time I quit mopeds. Like yeah. I actually quit it. Yeah. I actually quit them because I for there was a time that I had no mopeds. Um, but the good thing that happened on that Europe trip was I, I met the Danish moped gang and hung out with them and just had a fucking blast, learned how to shift all sorts of crazy shit yeah. in Denmark. And, uh, when I came oh, back, I was ready. Hotels. I was ready to regain mopeds at that point. Um, fucking Corona dude. I was supposed to go to Denmark or Holland this year for Red Bull all the way. Had oh, that- nice. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I had, I had a bike lined up. I had everything all sorted. I was going to fucking fly in. I was like, I just got back from Tampa rally and then I hear this thing called coronavirus. I'm like, I should probably hang on for a second. And then the fucking world ended. So like, yeah, ended. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anybody, so anytime somebody brings that up, I just get a little jealous. Yeah. Fucking Rona. Yeah. But that's all right, dude. We're, I got a, I got a feeling 2021 we're all, it's going to be the year of the rally and we're all going to get to see each other again. Yeah, I think uh, potentially the latter half of 2021. I mean, I know that when it is possible, it will be such a celebration. And I I keep looking forward to that. Yep. Um, And I was really impressed by the moped community about uh, how responsible they were. It wasn't really divided into like any kind of faction of like, no, we're still going to go ahead and have the rally. I know there was some small gatherings, which I think were fine. Everyone's wearing a helmet, a mask. But the big rally, three-day festival, everyone's hugging, kissing, you know, dancing. Mm-hmm. Nobody really did that. And I really, it just shows me why I love this community so much. I mean, it didn't matter what people like politically thought. It was about the safety of the community. And, and they just understood that that couldn't happen this year. Yeah. And I was the worst example of that. Like I did a road trip this summer where I went and saw people, um, but i dude, I masked up 90% of the time. I mean, especially the beginning of all this, like you see, like it was hard to remember. I mean, I'll be the first, I'm a creature habit. Like it, it was hard to remember, but like, I can honestly say the last month and a half, two months, I am very conscious of wearing a mask. And like prime example, I was at a gas station. I had to go in Southern Iowa and some dad was in there with his two kids and they're breathing all over the pizza. And I was like, well, guess i'm not getting anything to eat today so like yeah no no i'm the worst example but you know well you know individual travel is different and and people have to do whatever they need to do for work and and for their lives but you know a a rally is potentially a very like super spreader type event Mm -hmm. because you're you're just enticing so many people in the same place so yeah i don't have any judgment for you at all but it's just like i'm really happy that although i'm obviously I'm amazingly bummed mm-hmm. but i mean i canceled my trip to florida over thanksgiving because of what's transpired the last three weeks i mean 
I don't want to go to fucking Florida. Like, dude, it's a wild weather. It's so fucking scary down there. And I'm so happy. My mom is coming back up. She's going to freaking, I, she's going to fly because we, we as a family felt that was safer. She's going to self isolate for 14 days and get a test and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, I'm 65. Like I want to see my mom. I want to make sure she's healthy and safe. So, yeah. Um, no, but, good. but enough about Rona, more about you wrenching. Um, wrenching. uh, you got, you said you did the European thing. Um, you didn't have a moped for a while. Your girlfriend, she got a moped kind of got you back into it a little bit. It sounds like. Yeah. So her getting a moped definitely kind of got me back into it. Uh, but the other thing that did it, was I decided to move to Austin because Creatures had what we thought at the time was going to be our final rally. <laughs> there was a lot of things happening within, like, it's a big group. It was a big group. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of personalities and, you know, there was just basic, some drama, some people growing up, getting out of the scene, some people like having problems with other people. And this is all, I think I talked about on the Andrew Grasso podcast for uh moped monday but there was just stuff happening in san francisco scene and so the creatures started kind of like splitting apart and getting Mm -hmm. smaller and it was very sad and i remember going to to meetings and being very bummed out about kind of how the family was breaking apart but um we decided we're gonna have a big last rally that we called ceremony and it was was a huge rally and it was awesome nice and what year was was, i want to say ceremony was in 2009, 2010, probably okay. 10. Okay. But I might be wrong. It's really loose hard. timeline, dude. Nobody's going to fucking hold you to the coals over this. Time. One of those years. Uh, it's, it's not to interrupt you, but it's funny. I don't know if Mike's got a bad back right now, but I do. I pulled it. Uh, worst, dumbest way ever. I loaded a moped onto my carrier just fine. And then I went to ratchet strap it down and I heard like two pops and like, so yeah. Yeah. We're both like, like stretching on the zoom. Yeah, so I'm, nobody can see this, but we're both like old men trying to stretch our backs out. I just loaded up with some vitamin I. So like, yeah, 800 milligrams. It was great. I very much am the quintessential old man with the bad back. Uh, mm-hmm. I just rearranged my garage today and like did a bunch of dumb shit with bad posture. And like, that's why I'm squirming around so much. Yeah. Um, but uh creatures yeah, last rally. after that at that rally uh the action city rockers from austin acr were mm-hmm. like the up-and-coming gang and they man those guys were so cool they came in they had they didn't do the vests and like really vests weren't at least on the west coast they weren't a very big thing when i was into mopeds like the creatures were like neon hipster we're talking like at our parties it was like justice and like like techno bands like justice and and early daft punk like it was dance it was neon it was hipster like our bikes were flashy and like that kind of shit it was and i i had been to a couple midwest rallies and i I didn't still don't remember seeing like a ton of vests like vests have definitely like come as to be like again like just kind of part of the scene now and i I think they're great and i've definitely worn my fair share Mm -hmm. but at the time action city rockers all showed up in their black american apparel denim jackets nice. and they had the pill logo on the back from akira but it was a little fatter mm-hmm. and uh they were just like so like they were just like kind of so cohesive as a group yeah 
they're really impressive because they would they would show up together they would hang out together uh sam the captain was just like kind of one of the most outgoing outrageous people anybody that met him had an opinion about him immediately (laughs) and it was a really cool crew and i i met them I might have been a before ceremony, but I definitely got to know them at ceremony. They, I lived at the warehouse at the time and a couple other creatures lived there too. It wasn't like just a creature warehouse, but we would host a lot of the, the rally parties there. And people like if mopeders were coming and moped army used to be way better for this too, because it was sort of like the channel you could reach out. But if people that you knew uh, were coming through your town, they would reach out on MA and that's, and you'd like offer to host them, even if it wasn't a rally. So I would host mm-hmm. like, like people anytime that they came by and at the warehouse. Um, and I ended up having almost all of ACR crash in my room Nice during the rally. And uh, just was really impressed by those guys. And, you know, definitely sort of like looked up to them a little bit, just sort of like, wow, dude, this, like Creature's amazing gang. It's like family. We have Creature Christmas together. We do White Elephant. we always have house parties like we're really like a family but this is more like a club but but they were also very tight but it was a lot more clubby where they kind of like wore the same stuff like uniform it just was a very different like taste Mm -hmm. and i went to school for film back in the day and they i wasn't working in film in san francisco and austin at the time was like booming yeah yeah because they had all south by southwest is probably just getting to be a thing at this point there and well, yeah, it was already, I mean, for the for the locals there, it had been a pretty big thing already. But what was happening was that they had made a bunch of tax breaks for filming. Uh, and Robert Rodriguez moved his studio out there. And so a lot of stuff was getting shot in Austin because you could do it for cheap. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people in the gang worked in the film industry out there in Austin. And they were like, dude, Mike, you should move to Austin. We'll set you up. <laughs> we'll... Uh, you know, we'll help you find a place to live and we'll help you get some work. And I decided like, you know what? That's what I want to do. So yeah. I sold my car, sold a bunch of shit, a bunch of records, punk records that I had that were like first presses and stuff like that. Kind of sold all my belongings that were in San Francisco. And I bought a conversion van, like a G20 80s ass motherfucking Chevy. Nice, nice. It was fucking dope. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to live in this for a little bit to save some money. Then I'm going to drive in this to Austin, I'm going to live there. And I told my girlfriend, Kristen at the time, I still a girlfriend, but she was in, in San Francisco at the time, but she was still in school in Cincinnati. So she was working in San Francisco for the, for that term and mm-hmm. then was going to go back to Cincinnati. And I was like, so I'm moving to Austin. And she's like, cool. I'll move with you when I'm out of school. And I was like, let's do it. She's like, and I'll, I'll ride with you uh, in the van. So I got her and again, Travis, the creature loaded up the van, traded my scooter for another Magnum. <laughs> because i was like i can't fit the scooter on the van no so i put Kristen's motorbicane on it on a back rack and i traded uh matt waldbelig who used to be like you know he was in uh the bombardment society tbs from ohio okay. then he became a creature in san francisco and he had this bike that he called uh joe cool because it had like a picture of a uh, snoopy it was nice. like Joe Cool uniform and it had like a yeah, Charlie yeah. Brown stripe on the side. And it was like a mini mag. So it was like a Magnum with a tank, but it had like a skateboard seat, maxi forks, maxi shocks. Um, and he's like, I'll trade you for the scooter. So we did a trade. Stuck it on the back. Drove out to Austin in uh, November of 2011. Does that make sense? 
Sure. <laughs> God, I, I wish I knew these dates. Uh, dude, it, it has to do it with my OCD making, making the puzzle fit. Like that's just yeah. me. I could look it up, but it was either 2010 uh, or 2011 no in November. I finally drove out there. I did the long haul with uh, with Travis and Kristen. We took the long route, saw as much as we could see, and I ended up moving to Austin. And I was like, "Hey, I want to I want to join ACR." And at this point, they had already been voted into Moped Army as like an official branch, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Okay, well, I get that you were a creature for several years, and I get that." You know, you you technically helped to vote us into Moped Army, but we do prospects. Yep. So you got a prospect. And I was like, that sounds fair. So I was I was a prospect in Austin. And uh that was just a whole new chapter of mopeds for me because I basically like I had ended my San Francisco chapter, sold my San Francisco bike, really wasn't doing a lot of stuff moped wise, but still with my creature crew. But we had done the final rally we thought was like kind of our final rally it turned out not to be the final future <laughs> rally, but, um, I, uh, and part of the, part of being a prospect was I couldn't be in two gangs. So I had to, uh, resign from being a creature and mm-hmm. start prospecting for ACR. So I, I was like, this, this is going to, this is a good, good decision. I'm going to do this. And yeah. So Austin was great. Cause if you've ever been out there, uh, Lester has a shop, Austin mopeds. Okay. Lester's one of the captains of the ACR. And uh, I think I think it's the only moped shop in Austin. It was then. And that was another chance for me to learn a lot about wrenching on mopeds. Because I, I hear he's a really shop. good teacher too. So he is. He's very patient, very funny. Uh, he's gonna hate for saying it, but he's very wise. <laughs> um he, he I mean Honestly, I did more partying with Lester than I did wrenching. Like the dude's a fucking party animal. And every motherfucker in Austin at the time that I moved there, like knew that guy. Like any bar we would go to, he would be like, let me talk to the door guy. And like, we would just get to the front of the line. It was oh, insane. he's that cool guy that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, he's not only, he's like, he's cool. He's debonair. He's like yeah. mysterious. He just, he did it all. Yeah, they had, Their gang was so cool and they were so tight. And I really got along with like all, like the whole club. Um. And I learned a lot about mopeds and I, and I tried to start working in film, but you know, I was still like kind of a young dude. I've always been like younger than my age, at least like mm-hmm. professionally, like yeah. not really great at getting a career going. I'm just like <laughs> easily distracted. And at the time I was much more interested in socializing, meeting people, learning the city. So I definitely like, you know, maybe passed by a couple opportunities that I had to get better employment because I was too busy, like staying up all night, meeting people and partying and having fun. And I, I do regret that, but at the same time, I had a blast in Austin. Yeah, dude. Such a blast. <clears throat> and I, I only ended up spending a year there, like a calendar year, basically. Oh, wow. Because the first thing I learned was, oh, they have real seasons. Yeah. So I was living in my van in San Francisco and like, Nah, a little cold, a little warm, no big deal. I moved to Austin in November. A couple of weeks later, I woke up. My my memory foam pillow had frozen solid That's in the awesome. van. And I was like shi- like physically shivering. I was like, this is not going to work. So I had, to, I had to find a place to live. <coughs> Excuse me. I had to, uh, and, and, and ACR helped me with all of that stuff. They were super cool. And they were very... Um, Club-wise, it was like meetings, 
take votes on things. It was a lot more regimented than the creatures were. Creatures were like kind of group decision meetings were mostly just like hangout parties and, and food stuff. Um, but we they decided to, to throw a rally while I was there. Mm-hmm. And I got like, I didn't know this about myself, but I got, I mean, at, at the time anyway, I, I got like a little bit frustrated because things weren't going how I had thought. And I was kind of annoyed at being back at the bottom of the barrel as like a prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I want to do more for this rally. I want to like participate more. I'm, I'm used to being like a full-fledged member of a club and yep. for like many years and I'm having a hard time you know swallowing my pride and being like a being a prospect because like I feel like not when it comes to wrenching but definitely when it comes to like clubs and riding and rallies like at that point I had racked up like 10 rallies under my name all across mm-hmm. everywhere but I was going you know I would fly out I would go to as many rallies as I possibly yeah. could you didn't want to be driving the struggle bus is what you're saying well, that's the funny thing is I actually love driving the struggle bus. Oh, that's but, it's some of it, dude. I've I've been in there fucking, and I'm a guy that doesn't drink or do drugs, and like, dude, the struggle bus is fucking awesome. And I met some of so the fun. most rad people in mopeds. Like, oh, the I'm almost tempted, happens. dude. I'm almost tempted to just show up to rallies. A few of them next year, flying, just riding the struggle bus the whole time. It has been done, and it is a definite rally path. It is a good yeah. one, and I and I fully <laughs> fully vouch for it. In fact, that was basically my role during Pinball Run Three, because I broke down so early. I was, that's what I was. That was the struggle bus for that whole route. But we'll we'll get to the pinball. I, we'll I, the pinball. I yeah, dude. I love I love the story behind Pinball Three. At least Rob Burrito's like limo. Yeah, yes. Yes. Well, he, he, yes. Um, but Austin mopeds. Yeah. Long story short, uh, I kind of threw a little bit of a tantrum because I was I was a little depressed and. It was sort of a culture shock for me mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't quit ACR, but I basically was like, man, like I, I, I don't like, I don't like this prospect shit that you're making me do. Da, 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 da. So for the rally, I kind of, I kind of wasn't around. Like I, I showed up, I did a little bit of riding. I, I, my girlfriend had bought another scooter. Kristen at that point had moved in with me. Um, she bought like a Honda elite 80 that I nice. got the wrench on and I learned like how to, it was like non-running and I had to like rewire it. I had to do a bunch and it was great. That Scooter was people really are great. nuts like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. And, and still working on her 50V because we had brought it with us. Still having my Magnum. Um, I was doing a lot more wrenching there than I was doing in, in San Francisco. I think because I had more time on my hands and more space um, and, and and the shop to help me out and like kind of show me what I was doing wrong. But when they had the rally, I was, you know, I, I'm ashamed of it, but I was kind of being a little bitch. Uh, and I definitely went and partied and had fun, but I, I wasn't like prospecting during the party because I thought like it was beneath me for some reason. And well, and know. that shows the maturity you have right now, Mike, to at least acknowledge like, dude, I was an asshole. And like, yeah. we, I think we all go through that at some point in life or even in the moped scenes. Like I can say for myself, I've been aggressively petty, we'll say at times. <laughs> and like, yeah. yeah, but dude, it's fucking the human condition. So like we all have our moments and like, and obviously people in the moped community have forgiven you for that moment in time. And like, that's a great thing about the moped community, unless you're an absolute scumbag and even half the time they will still forgive you. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I think, I think, cause for me anyway, I think a lot of moped about a lot of, 
of what mopeds is, is it is about learning, um, learning mopeds, like learning yeah. how to ride, but it also like you kind of learn more about yourself and people get into it typically at an age where you are doing that. And like, you're kind of figuring yourself out and it just by virtue of that, those times coinciding mopeds really help you or can help you kind of be a better person. That sounds really cliche, but like it can, it can help you sort of figure things out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that aren't just about tuning your carburetor kind of yeah. more about self-sufficiency or learning how to ask for help when you need it. Um, it gives a lot of opportunities for personal growth, which I think is something that I definitely did not notice at the time, but have been able to like reflect on since and think that it was really important. So <laughs> my no, dude, I, told, I, Austin, no, no, no. I, I totally identify with that. Like, yeah, yeah. that's, it's yeah. So Austin, Brad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like my apology for Austin was like, sorry, I acted like that. They know. Cause I, we had a, that was my first foray into group me and they called it teen chat which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, you know, your teen chat would be buzzing like all fucking night long. You're like, God, my phone, I gotta, I gotta silence this. But it was like, Hey, we're at this bar. We're at this bar. Like, oh, it's such a great time. I fucking loved Austin. <clears throat> and it was actually the first time I saw a moped catch on fire and blow up. Um, but also <laughs> I finally like made my apologies after the rally and I didn't do anything bad at the rally. I mean, it got drunk, but I just, sort of wasn't doing what they wanted me to do. So we sort of had to talk about it all. And then that December, or maybe it was that, it must've been that November. It was cold. I don't remember when it was. <laughs> we had a holiday party. How cold party. does it get in Austin? Like Dude, Texas. When I went, it was record breaking heat and record breaking cold. I was like, why? Why the year that I'm here from California? I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this, I cannot abide by this temperature change. Uh, you know, it was the first year, I mean, not the first year, it was one of the few years where there was like snow a couple days mm-hmm. for Austin. That's like big. And then yeah. in the summer, it was like triple digits for a whole week or two. I was trying to shoot a film at the time. Like the microphones that we were trying to tape to people were just sliding off. Yeah. Was, like I had to put the camera cause we were using DSLRs. We had two bodies and I had to put them in the freezer cause they were overheating. Wow just to keep them cool until I could yeah. swap bodies. It was nuts. But uh, they surprised me um, at that party and they were like, Boyd, come out here. And I came outside and they were, in the, they were all like lined up in the front yard in this suburban neighborhood. And Sam was like, all right, dude, handed me a helmet. He's like, I want to, I want you to take off all your clothes. <laughs> I want you to put on this helmet. You can keep your shoes on. You can cover your privates, but I want you to run into the street and I want you to run back with this helmet on. And I was like, is this hazing? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. I kind of love that kind of shit. Like that yeah, dude. shit, you know, it's kind of fun. So I was like, you know what? I, I, I got a shame, like pants yep. off, shirts off, underwears off, shoes are on, put on this helmet, got a tinted visor. So it's hard to see. So I run, <laughs> it's at night. And so I'm yeah. running down at the end of the, into the cul-de-sac or whatever i turned back around they're like well, all right when we say go you got to run to us and i was like like is this okay yeah then i see all these lighters flicking and i start to go and i start running and suddenly all these fireworks start shooting at me oh shit <laughs> yeah and they were like roman candles and some of them were bouncy so yeah. it was a little bit 
more dangerous than they thought it was going to be. Cause I heard, <laughs> I heard someone going like, Oh shit, these are too big. <laughs> and they were like hitting the street in front of me, like bouncing so close. And like, I got why they let me put the helmet on. Cause it was yeah. like eye protection. So I'm like holding on to my junk for dear life, just like <laughs> running as fast as I can as these things like are just coming right at me and like rebounding. And, you know, none of them hit me because I think nobody was aiming at my torso. Yeah. You obviously but didn't was, have real assholes because I would have totally been aiming at you, but whatever. Dude, <laughs> I, I think once you had seen the first one go off, you might not have. Oh, they, I've been in Roman Candle Wars before, dude. Don't <laughs> worry. Like not nude ones, but I, yeah, dude. Rednecks. These ones were... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they had like mortars that they were shooting sideways or what it was because they were <laughs> big. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, they were they were kind to me and I didn't get hit, but I was thrilled and I mm-hmm. I was like I got to the finish line or whatnot and they handed me my patch, and for the longest time that was my MA profile picture it was like me standing there naked with the patch <laughs> over my junk, nice. it was like with the biggest smile on my face because. <laughs> They were like, all right, boy, like yeah, you've been kind of a dick about the prospect thing, but you're good people and like you're in or something to that effect. So it all worked out in the end and I was super happy to be at, in Austin and I was super happy to be in ACR and I only got to represent them at a couple rallies before uh, just because of like financial reasons. I mean, namely, I couldn't get any work. Like I was mm-hmm. doing really odd jobs out there. Um, I had to move back to California but I stayed in ACR for as long as I possibly could, because I honestly, I love the fucking logo. Mm-hmm. I love the dudes and girls in that club, like such just so nice. So close. I had the most fun at punk shows and dance parties out there. Yeah, yeah. It was such a difference from the creatures. Um, and I, I really respected what they were doing with the club. And the thing is like all moped clubs with the, minor exception of mosquito fleet uh all moped clubs eventually <laughs> putter out to some degree uh, especially if they don't really prospect heavily uh mm-hmm. that's one thing i noticed you know if you're not if you're not getting like a steady influx of new younger members and like allowing them to kind of have like their own sort of uh generations so to speak mm-hmm. it, it can really as people start buying houses getting older getting married um getting jobs that don't allow them to do what they used to do getting health problems uh, all mm-hmm. these things happen to all of us um you know moped clubs can die and they should uh unless they really want to be like an institution in which case yeah. they really need to like heavily heavily prospect so that's not to put a sentence on acr but like to me that is kind of what is going on with them like they're still an ma official branch they haven't been retired yet but um i just i know that only a couple members are really kind of active uh, like Noah in Houston is still like riding mopeds with like all the Magneto's dudes. Mm-hmm. The Shanks have come up pretty, pretty heavy in Austin as like the new Austin gang. Yep. Yep. And I, I applaud that. I think it, there needed to be a vacuum so that they, they come in and like take over. And I know that ACR is still really tight as a crew, but mopeds are not the, uh, the glue that holds them together, so to speak. Yeah. It's more of like a really close, group of friends that still stay in touch mostly still live in austin but mopeds are not really a big deal or a big part of it anymore i mean lester still has the shop and and those kind of things so that brings me on to the third gang that i joined because i am apparently just a little gang (laughs) (laughs) we we both want to say it but i don't think we're gonna say it (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'm trying to think of like an old timey slang term for it, but like, yeah, I just, I have been in too many gangs and I have been called, you know, I've been called a gang whore uh, hmm. and I'll take it because honestly, like I move around a lot. So well, that's something it's, to be said, dude, that multiple clubs or gangs want you to be a part of their fold. I mean, there, yeah. So there is something to be said about that versus like nobody wants you in your club. True. And I, I do feel blessed. Although I feel like the creatures did it out of pity. The <laughs> ACR did it out of like, okay, fine, man. Like you get this. <laughs> and uh, the black black is the club I'm in now because they're just nationwide. Uh, they've decided that they are not going to be, you know, a while back, they decided they're not going to be uh, just Denver. They got the RVA chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got like a East Bay chapter, which is kind of like the treaty guys out there. And uh, I'm, I think, the only LA member, but I've seen, I've, I've definitely been able, since I've been inducted into Black Black, uh, I've been able to like meet up with a few of the other members that have come down to LA and hang out with them and give them loaner bikes to ride and stuff like that. So, how did that all come to Black Black's? I feel like an outsider for a fact to a point where like, how did that, like, I, I know I rode with Jason. Jason's really super nice. Um, oh, he's great. Moped Monday. Like, you know, I'm still feel bad. I locked him out of his house when I was in Richmond. Um, yeah. Uh, they, they, him, him and Aaron handled it pretty well. Like I, I come from Minnesota. We have the AC on in the summer. We shut our doors. I sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, like Jason's super rad and all the things he's done for my podcast. Like I can't thank Jason enough. Uh, Jason and Tom, I know Thomas rebel rouser, him and Ashley, like, and all the, mm-hmm. all the RVA crew, like that's another great city to go ride in. If anybody gets yes. that opportunity, like, yes. Super go to Richmond, mm-hmm. ride there with all the crews, meet those guys, go see King Pat at the lost bowl. It's the great, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a great city. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about the South. And tell me if LA does this, they like to ride mopeds in cemeteries. Now, I don't know what it is, but like, cause you I guys have more cemeteries. Is it like I, all this I'm, civil war I'm in Minnesota, dude. Like we don't go riding in cemeteries. Like I was oh. my youth, my youth. We spent freaking, I, I was burying people all the time. I don't go to cemeteries unless I'm going yeah. to a funeral. Like I went to Richmond. They took me through the Hollywood cemetery, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. It's got a great overlook of the city. But then I went to Columbia and then Charlie Buzzard took me through a cemetery that Mula and uh, another wrestler are buried in. Like, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And That's then, weird. yeah, yeah. I think Conan wanted to bring me to a cemetery once. I don't know. So like, it must be I a guess, Southern thing. My guess is there's like a lot of parkland set aside for like civil war burials but i got nothing i love all those people don't get me wrong but i just cemeteries well, the, creep me out. the woolly bullies here in la do um occasionally do a cemetery ride ish like it's not just in the cemetery but i think occasionally they hit them up for the they used to do night of the living pet all the time so okay. that was kind of their their main rally big ride thing so they would definitely like just to make it spooky yeah um la is weird their cemeteries like you can't really ride through them there, mm-hmm. you know, there's like Hollywood Forever Cemetery. You can take a picnic basket and pay a fee and watch a movie there, but you can't ride your mopeds through it. No, like no, nah, dude. When I come out to LA, I'm not gonna go fucking hang out in a cemetery. I probably again. Oh, they're beautiful, but <laughs> yeah, hard pass. Um, I get creeped out real easy like that. I won't ever go back to Key West for that reason. 
anyways, back to you and prospecting black, black. Um, how did that, how did that all come to be? Like, well, black, black has, and, and I might be getting this wrong. So any, any black blackers listening to this, you probably don't even call yourselves black blackers. So that's how much I'm getting this wrong. But yeah, during pinball run three, uh, I spent a lot of time on their bus and, uh, ACR and hot and ready's and black, black were the trifecta back in the day. Like we were always like, there were the three gangs that had kind of joined at the same time. And they were the three kind of like gritty, punkier, festier gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they formed what's called the trifecta back when all three gangs were very active. Um, so I already knew a lot of members of black, black, and I had gone to black moon rising in Denver. It's the only black, black rally I went to, but God, that was a great rally. Oh my God. It was a choose your own adventure rally with like, like a scavenger hunt card basically. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing, you know, the regimented, here's the city ride, here's the countryside ride, here's the party. It was like, Hey, jump on your bikes, do all of these things that we've listed in whatever order you want. But at each one, it, it was like a station. So you, no matter what time of day you showed up, there was like some people there. And one of them was like, get cut in as a puddle cutter and take shots. And like, that was one and get a tattoo. And I got this little circlet tattoo. That was, that was one of them. Nice. It was just such a like novel rally idea. And it really allowed you to sort of uh, get to know the city in a way that I, you know, rallies definitely get like allow you to get to know new cities and yeah. definitely new people. But rarely on your own time, unless you'd like decide to do it. And this was sort of a way to do that where you weren't being shepherded around in such a way, like on a ride, you were actually being like encouraged to explore the city. So I thought it was cool. I met a bunch more black, black guys there. And then on, on pinball run three, uh, Derek who's one of the captains was like, yeah, man, like you're good. You're good people, boy. Like we're, we're recruiting black, black, uh, bad boys club. And it's like, what they kind of do is they kind of pick sort of the, the the cast-offs from groups that used to be really active. And if there's like a couple members that remain active while the group itself is sort of kind of subsiding, then they'll they'll pick those lost souls up and they'll give them a, a club to be in no matter where they live. So yeah, yeah. that was my interpretation of it anyway. They might correct me on that. But um, I was really honored to be asked and and sort of like I've always respected that that club. I remember when they were trying to be um, MA official. And they they said in their application that the way that they chose new members back then was first, like your bike had to be all black. And secondly, they would have like a, a race basically. And like only the winner or like first and second place or something would like be allowed to like be in black, black. So they had all mm-hmm. like pitting people off, like sounded awesome. Yeah. Uh, obviously that's no longer, this was so many years ago. Um, now it's sort of, I think it's just like a more of like a, nationwide organization and honestly uh it i don't really get to do much for black black i get you know i'm on the group me chat with them um we thought we were having a rally this year called wet wet which would be a jet ski rally Mm -hmm. very excited about that it is the reason that i finally said like okay i I am going to uh to leave acr and join it because i I wanted to be a wet wet like i was like Mm -hmm. i want to get a um life fest Mm-hmm. I put a patch on it and I'm going to be like the smokers in water world. Yes. And just like, that's all I was like, this is the best. I want to do this. And then Corona, that's fucking, Corona. I saw Jason's cut, dude. He had, he had what, what cut down and he had his life jacket. Like he had it in Florida. Like this is like, yeah, he actually went to a wet. Yeah. 
he, this was literally weeks before Rona shut the world down. And like, I was just laughing my ass off because he was rocking the, uh, the lifeguard uh, fanny pack and everything, dude. It was yes. great. That, so the idea was that like all, all anyone that was in black, black that would go to any rallies was going to like represent wet, wet for that year. And I just fucking love stupid shit like that. Like mm-hmm. anytime you can, Oh, our whole gang name is changing and now we're jet skis and da 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 da. Cause it's like, it's just, it's, cracks me up so that's what finally made me and also just knowing that um i'm not moving back to austin i just know Mm -hmm. that and i know that uh, i'll always be friends with acr all the members of them can hit me up for anything at any time but i'm never going to live in that city and i don't really think that mopeds are going to be on their horizon again for a long time so i was looking for the next thing because i still you know i'm still doing mopeds i got this garage full of parts um so yeah, I think it was wet, wet that actually turned me around. And I, so there was no prospecting period. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. cause like, like I said, I think it was kind of, if you had been in mopeds for long enough, it's like, what's the purpose? Um, yeah. So there was no fanfare at all, which is why I kind <laughs> of, uh, I look back fondly on the ACR initiation because uh, I was like, here I am. Ugh, yeah, I guess group me <laughs> entered. <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Um, so that's so you've been in what what for right around two years year and a half then or that was uh end of last year so okay. not even that long right on right on if, if it Since was even that yeah you said you left austin um you moved where did did you move back to la at that point or did you move back to san francisco or just california as a where'd you go after austin after Austin, I had to I had to have a humbling experience. I I had to move back. My my parents had just moved to San Diego, uh, okay. which I've never lived in before, and they moved out of the Bay Area to San Diego. Yep. And at that point, uh, Kristen and I were just barely making ends meet in Austin. Um. And it, the thing with Austin is like it's a pretty small town. So if you haven't been there for a long time, you don't have connections then you have to be basically like headhunted or like very outstanding at what you do to get any job. And that, that includes like a barista, like anything you, cause there's a basically a waiting list and the people that are connected in the town that have been there all the time uh, for their whole lives, they, they get to the front of that line as they should. And people that are kind of transplants, we found out like there just isn't enough work to go around um, as fast as that city is growing. So That was our experience anyway. I mean, we weren't coming from the tech sector, like with the job mm-hmm. in hand, we were just sort of like trying to make it work. So it didn't work. And I had to move to San Diego back with my parents for the first time. And at that 12 years, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Isn't it? I had to do that too. Like 2008 market crash. Yes. Just oh, out of school. Was rough too. Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah. Got to live with mommy. It was fucking rad. Well, it is sort of rad because you, you miss your parents. And mm-hmm. when you're an old, so I got to turn 30. Is that right? Yes. I got to turn 30 living with my parents. And that was a very interesting experience. <laughs> um, not how I had seen my life going at all. But at the same time, like having been able to do that at all just shows like how, you know, what kind of like a, safety net that I have that a lot of people don't have. So, mm-hmm. um, I am thankful for it. And I do realize that it's like, 
as much as I can be like turn 30 with the folks, like it actually is like a blessing to have that. Um, I worked in, in San Diego, Kristen found some jobs. She has a degree in graphic design. Um, so we, we made enough to pay rent and then stayed there for like, I think I want to say like six to eight months. And then we moved back for me back for her for the first time to Los Angeles to find more work. And, right on. uh, so ever since then, and I, so this must've been 2013 that, that we moved to LA beginning of 2013. So I've been here in LA since and, okay. uh, everything has worked out. Now, did you, um, ride much in San Diego? Like were Los Chupacabres still a thing at that point or I didn't I, like, know, I didn't even know the San Diego chapter of Los Chups until I read, I heard your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because, um, the person who I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, Marie, her mom, who's recently passed. Sorry about that. Right. Um, her mom and dad live in San Diego and like, she knew the original, um, chapter. And really? like, yeah. And her dad has their numbers still like, which is amazing. Like they, she rode with them and everything else, which is rad. And like David, like David's super nice guy. Still around. No, they're not like they sold a lot of their stuff. I know David picked up a lot of the bikes from them. David's the great chapter. Yeah. Super nice guy. I can't give that guy enough props and respect and david i am coming out this spring when rona settles down when it's february, oh sweet yeah well dude when february in minnesota when it's fucking 30 below and i'm going nuts i'm gonna spend a long weekend in la so but anyways back to you my guy um you're in la you 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 bounce out um i, I well, want to start talking about what was that it, it, you, you had mentioned san diego i do want to make a brief aside about the san diego scene because i did get for the first time ever to kind of get catch a glimpse of that. Um, when I was in SF, I got to meet the, um, the moped heads out of San Jose and the Cupertines out of Cupertino. Um, a lot of the smaller crews, the road gnomes were just coming up. I think I sold my bike to like a road gnome. I don't remember, but I've always loved the, um, the real small tight gangs mm-hmm. uh, just outside of like, out of like MA official or like even kind of like not, even really involved in like rallies and stuff. So when I lived in San Diego, even briefly, uh, I got to meet the skunks, which people have mixed feelings about the skunks. I think they're great. Um, They threw one of the coolest fucking rally ideas that I have ever heard of or been to. There was a storm drain in San Diego and luckily it doesn't storm very often. (laughs) This was in summer, I believe. So there was like no chance of storm. Yeah. But this thing was big. You could ride through it on a moped, the storm drain. And uh, the guy that founded the skunks and basically was the skunks was this guy, Adam. And he's a super nice guy, generally misunderstood, I think, with the moped community. He sort of had a falling out with mopeds in general, which I think is regrettable. Um, But at the time, he was like super gung ho. He was like, we're a crew. We're called the skunks. We have a logo. I don't know that there was like five of them or something, but basically mm-hmm. Adam did all the work. So he decided, he's like, I'm, I'm throwing this rally. And he threw this rally and I would wrench with him. Like when I was in San Diego, like we would hang out and wrench. And um, his idea was like, we're going to drive through this storm drain and then hang out or like storm drains were part of it. And I was like, dude, you should, and correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, I, I think this was my idea, but it might've been yours. Pretty sure it was mine, but maybe not. <laughs> I was like, dude, you should have 
a keg and pizza because in the storm drain there was like a at a certain point in the middle there was like this big uh rectangular room okay is that right or it was just like a kind of like a bigger space yeah it wasn't huge but if you rode through it you would you would you'd ride through one come out ride through another one and then you got to a certain point there was like this like bigger space pitch black except for like whatever lights you had so he had like glow sticks and stuff and I was like, dude, you should have pizza and a projector playing Ninja Turtles awesome. and a keg. And I love that's this. what they did. Like, yeah, yeah, dude. dude. And that's what they did. And it was so great. It was the greatest idea. And uh, I don't think that many people came to the rally. Um, I mean, it was pretty good for like a, for a small club rally and it was maybe like 30 to 50 people i don't maybe less but in that in that small space i think there was only like 10 to 15 that actually like did the ride and like went through it uh guilty i did not do the ride i showed up late in a like <laughs> cab and somebody was kind enough to like let me ride their moped and like experience the tunnels yeah and i hung out and like drank beer and stuff um but i thought it was a really cool rally idea it was really well orchestrated and I thought Adam deserved like a ton of credit for that because that's the kind of stuff that I love about moped subculture stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, guess what I did this weekend? I rode through the sewers, storm drains. Yep. And I watched Ninja Turtles on the wall of the sewer, eating pizza, drinking out of a keg. Like how yeah. cool is that shit? It's so good. Um, but the troops were not, the troops were not around when I was in San Diego and uh, the wing nuts were the other crew. I'm not okay. quite sure what they're doing these days. And that's, uh, that's one thing I'm learning more and more is these um, non-official gangs. And those is, and like, I don't have a hat in the race. Like I think MA is a great thing and I understand why people want to be a part of. And I think moped army is a necessity for moped culture, but I can also me being a pissed off punk rock kid, like understanding, not wanting to be a part of that. I get that. And I've been on rides with both MA gangs and MA non-official gangs. I mean, and I'm a nobody. So like if people want to be a part of that's rad. If people don't want to be a part of that's just as rad. I mean, it, do, do your thing as they always say, but um, yeah. So you did the San Diego thing. You made your way up to LA. Uh, did we freeze up for a second? Maybe. I think. I'm so yeah, you, you did that sewer ride with the Ninja Turtles. I mean, you know, did you, how was Donatello by the way? Uh, that would have been like the even greatest if like people had actually like dressed up as Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, but it, it was sort of like one of those things that like, if someone had come, come to you in your childhood and like pitched that idea to you, you would have mind blown. How do we do this? Yeah. And it was almost like an opportunity to like actually, you know, put to practice the stream you've had forever. Uh, it was great. It was so yeah. cool. Um, and yeah, I, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, you keep on talking, my guy. I'm, yeah. I interrupt. That's what yeah, I do. Well, before my connection froze, um, yeah, like, I love the non-MA gangs, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But um, for the reason that, like, I think partially there's, like, a freedom when you have smaller rallies and, like, smaller clubs to get away with like way more interesting things mm -hmm. like even back in the creature rides like some of the best ones were like these like clandestine rides that we would go on with like 
it wasn't a full moped Monday. We had to keep the numbers low and we would go over like all the pedestrian overpasses. And it was a really hairy ride, but like you couldn't do it with a rally because you can't do it with 50 people, 300 people. Like there's no way. But what I love about the smaller clubs that, that know intimately like the back of their hand, like their area is they have all these cool ideas for these amazing, really subculture rallies. Um, and I've always been a big fan of that. And I, like the Wooly Bullies were kind of my first non-MA club experience uh, at the old Laybird rallies in LA when I was like totally a noob, sucked at riding mopeds, didn't know how to fix them if they broke down, was scared of riding them, like going down twisties. Like I just, I wasn't a good rider at that yet. And I remember like I had a breakdown in LA and, and Mike and Jose from the bullies immediately pulled off, noticed that I was in distress. I'm just broken down, but uh, me and Andy Moped Head were on the side of the road on, on highway one. And they were like, Hey, what's up? What's going on? I, I was like, I think we both seized. It's like, Oh, okay. Let me check. And they, they helped us out diagnosing and they came to the same conclusion and, Oh shoot. Well, we don't have any parts here. Uh, should we get you some beers? <laughs> Why you wait for the rally fan? Like, oh, sick, dude. Yes, yeah. thank you. And a pack of smokes if you can. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, that was my first taste of the Wooly Bullies. And uh, I thought they were great. I thought they were like mm -hmm. the tightest little crew. Um, the nicest guys and girls. Like, there was always like a rivalry between them and the the MA official Laybirds. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't quite understand it because I didn't live in LA back then. I lived in SF, but since we were creatures and we were like really tight with the late birds, I think it was always kind of assumed that we would be on their side for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. On the late bird side. And I, I just found myself really gravitating more to the woolly bullies. I just thought they were like more cohesive, more, more friends um, with each other than, than just like a club for club's sake. And when I moved back to LA from San Diego, uh, the Leopards had kind of disbanded formally, mm -hmm. which is a bummer. And shortly thereafter, Choke, which was the main moped shop here in LA run by Jeff, um, closed down, which is the biggest bummer. Yeah. And I heard of Choke and like I had Carrie on a couple, three, four weeks ago and she talked about, she learned about Choke and I didn't again, me being still new and learning this back history, like I didn't know what it was. And then I did a little research. I'm like, Oh, I wish I could ask a thousand questions about that. But like, um, do you know a little his, uh, not to detract from your story that much, but like, do you know a little history of choke at all? Or, uh, I don't know the deeper history. So I like in comparison to how long Myron's has been around, I don't know how long, I don't know what your choke started. Mm -hmm. I do know that the very first Leopard rally of Flocky out one choke was there and it was okay. a business. It's also in a, in a pretty now like pretty hip district of LA. Um, it was a pretty large storefront. It had like a big back area. It was a shop and a Tomos dealership. So okay. the owner, Jeff uh, is one of the greatest dudes. He now owns a pinball bar. Nice. With uh, some, some people, from the Seattle moped scene here in LA, but um, 
it was basically a service and it was a service shop and a Tomos dealership. And they preferred to work on Tomoses because uh, that's kind of like, that was their bread and butter. Yeah. But Jeff's just kind of like a whiz and he was able to like, just work on anything. Uh, they had a mechanic, Nick. Uh, he was also really good at mopeds. Um, and it was also a place that you could just hang out. And for a while they had a coffee shop in the back. They had like, they always had like a beer um, vending machine. You know, it's like a place you could just hang out and, chill and people would like show up on their mopeds to get a spark plug and you could talk to them and go on a ride it was a really really great commodity to have in any city um all the rallies in la would have a choke stop at least one of the days if not That's all awesome. the days and if it wasn't the meetup spot you know uh it was kind of a, a huge resource to have and I, I understand why he couldn't keep it running like that neighborhood like got really hip gentrified mm -hmm. as fuck and Tomos stopped importing. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like how they were, I think how they're keeping the lights on is like selling new Tomoses and, and then fixing those. And you don't make a lot of money on fixing an old pook. So, no. <laughs> you know, Jeff said his, you know, he sold it all off and or he, he, he sold his inventory, not all of it, but he, um, there was a big week long sale of joke, which was kind of sad, but also mm -hmm. good because you could like kind of get some tools if you were there early enough and like, <laughs> They had all these wheels and like fenders and like all the stuff that they no longer needed. And it was going to go to the metal scrappers if you didn't grab it. Mm -hmm. So I definitely came up on some stuff. Um, and just also to help them out, like here's some cash, you know, like yep. best of luck in your next venture, which, yeah. So not having choke really put a damper on the LA moped community because there was no longer like a hub for it. Cause that was the place where you would meet new people. Mm -hmm. Or even people that were just interested, they would go to choke and be like, tell me about mopeds. I've heard of these. Should I get one? Yeah. Um, so, so lacking that. And I think that was, that was kind of a catalyst for when uh, Nicole and I came up with the idea for Moped Workshop LA, because you didn't really need it before. Cause you always had like a mechanic you could take to, and, and, and even for just advice and like, like Carrie's, uh, podcast with you like she, like she got free advice like out front uh mm -hmm. and he, i think she was talking about brian warrington is the tall late bird she was talking about okay um i know she couldn't she couldn't recall his name but uh brian was <laughs> a pretty great great dude and uh yeah there was always people just hanging out there and and if you were just in front they would come out to look at your bike no matter what because they're just interested yeah. and if you said like hey it's uh it's doing this this and this that you know you'd get like two or three opinions on it and <laughs> a little a little closer yeah. to fixing it yeah um, so that was, it was a big bummer when that left. And I, I know it coincided a little bit with the late birds not being a, a club anymore. So it, it felt like there was a vacuum in LA, but it turned out, um, you know, the woolly bullies were, had been going strong that whole time. Mm -hmm. And that's a really fascinating club. And you've, you've done a great job. <laughs> you interviewed a lot of LA moped riders, by the way. Um, Dude, know what the thing about it is, to be honest with you, I've had such good luck in the past two months with recommendations and the recommendations recommending people and then names get kicked up and then I ask them and I and plus like the west coast fascinates me because there's this huge like that rocky mountain divide is a real mm -hmm. fucking thing as I always say because like I like to think I know the midwest scene halfway decent and I know that southeastern scene a little bit and like, I'm going to get up to New York a little bit more, but like, yeah, I've just somehow been inter interviewing the hell out of the West coast lately. And I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Um, 
I kind of like it. It's, it's almost like you're doing it like segment by segment as like the. It's weird coincidence is how it's all working. Now I'm going to have like a run probably of the Northeast corridor. It seems oh, like, cool. but you know, whatever. Where, where are you based but out of again? St. Paul, the right side of the river, St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, okay. So, you know, everybody talks about Minneapolis, but like, I tell, I'll, I'll put this out there right now. I'm not one to throw shade. I'm not one to talk shit, but St. Paul is 10 times better to ride than Minneapolis. No and this is, this is why Minneapolis was built on a grid system, which is yeah. straight. What sucks to do on mopeds ride straight. <laughs> Minneapolis, same, yeah, yeah. St. Paul is an old city. And like the great thing about St. Paul we have all the fresh pavement. So we're an old city with no straight roads with fresh pavement. It is so wow. much fun to ride in St. Paul right now. It's yeah. I can't, it's still one of my favorite cities to ride. What's the, what are the clubs out there? Uh, you got casserolers, which have their, they have their Thursday meetups, which are freaking rad as hell. Um, casseroles, I didn't know, bunch I of thought nice, casseroles are in Minneapolis. They are, they, they meet up Thursdays, but it's like, it's right across the river. So for me, it's a 15, 20 minute moped ride, oh, okay. which is all right. I mean like St. Paul specifically. Cause like I, I actually There's... know, I know some casseroles that I love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh dude. I love them all too. Like um, St. Paul specifically, there's no moped clubs. There's a bunch of uh, moped riders over here, which mm-hmm. is like weird. Like they're springing up in the last year and a half. I've really noticed. And like, there's the OG um, himself, Maze. He lives over here and like, Maze is so awesome. Like he'll just randomly chime into me and I'll randomly chime back at him. Like Maze was a huge resource for me, uh, especially like my first year of mopeds. And I still harass him for knowledge here and there. But like, yeah, yeah, Maze, I can't thank Maze enough for how patient he is with me when I text at him, as he always says. And then I generally figured out. Now, didn't, am I getting this wrong? It's been a while, but. I feel like Maze was one of the, if not the inventor of the E50 roller bearing clutch. Was he, or did he just he, make them? He made them. Like that's the. Thing I have about, one of his. Yeah, yeah. Maze is rad, and that's the thing about Maze. Like he is a ninja because you never know, you never know with Maze. Like that's my experience, at least. Like he doesn't like he'll talk. Like you ask him questions, he'll answer it. Like he, he's awesome. Is it like some people will talk about what they've done or where they've been or blah, blah, blah. That's not Maze's style. I mean, like super great dad, super good husband, like super, mm-hmm. if he can help you out, he will. If he can draw you a map, how to figure it out, he will. But like, he doesn't throw himself out there, which is a very admirable um, trait he has, I think. Cause I know a lot, of what he has done for the moped community. And I think it's a lot of great things he's done, but like, yeah, that's my little thank you to maze right there. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he deserves it. I, I think he was, I think he was more active on the forums several years back when I, Mm -hmm. when I was as well. And I, I, I've corresponded with him quite a bit. I, I'm embarrassed because I don't know if I've actually met him in person. So sorry, maze, if I did at a rally and I'm completely blanking on it, but I feel like we were mostly correspondents on MA and I, mm-hmm. I definitely bought a clutch belt from you and it still <laughs> is running. But that again, that's maze. I didn't even know he did clutch bells up until 
probably six months ago when I was watching uh Traff's tutorial video on pinball three, which we kind of talked about a little bit, your experience with pinball. And, you know, yeah. because that's my big fascination right now, because um, I'm, we'll just say I'm doing Baker. I, I want to be a part of Baker's does next year. There's oh, some other things it, in the sure. work. Oh yeah, dude. Like um, what was your experience on pinball three? I know we're kind of jumping all over. Yeah, yeah, we're jumping all over um, and all that stuff right now. So, yeah, you talked about your experience a little bit with pinball. Um, how did that, how did you get involved in that? Like, what was it like? Yeah, I always I always find that fascinating when people, because it's that type of stuff is not for that guy we talked about earlier in the podcast that, like, just wants to be a part of the scene and just doesn't, like, you know, they want to hang out. They want to meet up. They want to do this, that, or anything like the pin pinball and endurance, anything. It doesn't matter what subculture you're in of motorsports. Like endurance is a whole different mindset. So how did that even become on your radar? Well, uh, so I know, I know. Um, so pin, I, I track pinball one and two, because I thought they were such a cool idea. Like, mm-hmm. wow, what a great idea. What a cool thing to happen to the culture. Um, but both of those were a little too far out for me. Um, I haven't recently been able to like rally as much as I used to um, or take off as much time from work. It's kind of the big thing. Um, so when it was announced that pinball was going to be happening all through the West Coast, I said, I, I have to take this opportunity. I haven't been to a rally in so long, unless it was local, mm-hmm. the bullies rallies. Um, I feel like I'm slipping and I want a change. And actually, prior to pinball, I had almost quit mopeds for like the umpteenth time. Yeah, I had very few. I think I might have just had one. I had sold Kristen's. I had sold, yeah. So I, I didn't have, I was kind of out of the moped scene. I was hanging out with the bullies. I was like, hey, I want to do this pinball thing. And they already had a team like Max Mojo was doing it with somebody else. Um, and the rest of like dirty Danny, who is so great and has the greatest moped shop that's personal and not like joke, but his backyard is basically a moped shop. It's insane. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Whenever you walk into that situation, it's wild. It's like, Holy shit. You have so many parts and frames and shit. Um, but I had mentioned it to them and, I didn't really have like an LA team, but what I did have was three other mopeders. One was Matthew Carberry from the creatures. He was like the newest creature and the youngest. He was like a decade younger than me. The other was Matt Angelieri, who was in the local heroes back in the day, which was an MA official crew. I want to say it was in New Jersey somewhere. Um, Both of whom I had seen at rallies and and really enjoyed their company and we got to talking the three of us sort of convinced each other to do it mm-hmm. as a team three guys that were out of mopeds very rusty even at our peak we were never like the top mechanics or yeah, the yeah. best riders <laughs> you know but basically we were all sort of bored with our jobs and wanted and you know i think Matt Carberry was maybe coming off of like a bad breakup and Matt Angelieri had just moved and like we all had our reasons and we were like wow this is let's put our efforts into this to like 
maybe turn our lives around a little bit or like give us something to like do and think about. And none of us lived in the same area. Okay. So we came up yeah. with a plan. We're like, okay, uh, we've never done this before. Like our, our platform is going to be E50 because we all know that. Yep. Dumb platform, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, how how were your clutches for you there, bud? Yeah, dumb platform. Uh, we're like, oh, we're just going to, we'll just do piston port. Like, uh, you know, we'll basically build the same, because the rules were, uh, you know, two bikes, three people, only two riders per bike, but you could kind of switch off with the rider at first. Yeah. So Matt A was going to, he had a maxi frame. That was his thing. He was going to build a maxi. I had a free spirit frame that I got for free. I was going to build a free spirit. And what's interesting about pinball run three is it basically led me to, to getting back into mopeds in the way that I am now. Uh, if I hadn't done that, I would not have learned as like, I would not have been forced to learn as much as I now know about mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically like a crossroads. And if I had not done pinball run three, I think I would have, just continued riding motorcycles and scooters and been happy. But I decided to do pinball run three and I am so happy that I did because the three of us built our bikes and it was a mad scramble for me. I had help from dirty Danny and the woolly bullies. Like I would be after work, I would be at Danny's place, bike on the lift, getting their help, doing things that I hadn't done before, like putting sealed bearings in the rear mm-hmm. wheel and stuff that I had read about on MA and had, I knew conceptually how to do it, but I didn't have a garage. I didn't have tools. And so they were kind enough to like help me out with this. In fact, Dirty Danny even built me this amazing like chopper seat for the free spirit that went up way high in the back. He welded it for me. I still have it. It's so cool. Um, So my concept was like, oh, it's an endurance run. I'll make the most comfortable bike that I can. That's got to be the key. Matt, a who was building the other frame was like, I'm going to build a racy bike. Cause we got to win. So they're very different <laughs> platforms yeah. uh, in terms of the frame. And then the, the motor we did was way underpowered. Oh God, way underpowered. I didn't realize how many Hills were in uh, Seattle. <laughs> yeah. And as busy as I was with work, I was able to take the time off for the run, but not awesome. for, not for like, I didn't put the time in. I needed ahead of time. And I learned a lot. So I built an E50 Matt Carberry built an E50 like sans frame, just like as an extra swap in. Mm-hmm. And then Matt A built an E50 and his frame. And so we, we were like exchanging texts and calls and, and kind of making sure we were all in the same boat with what we were building. And it was like Bing Carb, Boss Pipe, like your most basic thing. And we thought, one, we don't have any money. So this is the way we can do it. Two, this is a very simple setup. So hopefully it'll be not prone to any problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even get my bike finished. I got to Seattle and I started working on it at magic touch. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys. at magic touch for, I love those dudes, by the way. It seemed like um, a lot of people just with Travis's video, a lot of people weren't prepared. Like, and my, I showed my, bike, my, it didn't run. <laughs> yeah. Like I showed when I was doing this computer, I have my brother-in-law, Glenn Bryan is a very talented programmer. Like if you've been to Wendy's recently and seen their digital menus, that's him who programmed them. Um, yeah. Like I put on that pinball three, um, video Travis did. And he's like, and he's a, again, very smart individual planner engineer. He's like, 
how are people not prepared for a cross country race? I'm like, dude, it's mopeds. Don't. It's mopeds. Well, <laughs> I, I was woefully underprepared in terms of mopeds. And, and since that, I've learned so much and I would have done it so differently, but I'm glad that I had the opportunity to learn it. Mm-hmm. What I did instead was uh, at the same, I'm biffing on the account name, but for a while there was uh, an Instagram account. It still exists, but it hasn't posted in a while of moped portraiture do you know who this is that i'm talking no. about i think um, everybody's gonna run and find this now but gosh why can't i remember it um i hate this when it happens on a podcast i'm not gonna look it up but oh don't don't worry about they, it they would come around to different cities and they would set up like a white backdrop seamless and they would just like take anybody that showed up it, it became like a little mini party and people would come up with their mopeds and you would like pose with your moped and they would take like really good for lack of a better term like glamour shots and Carrie actually hosted it at her apartment in LA when they came in town. And I had this idea that I wanted to do a fundraiser for, for our, our trip because we had the money to like get the mopeds, but we didn't, we we're all broke. And at the time I, I was out of a job because I was working seasonally in film. Mm-hmm. And so I had some savings, but I was like, oh, we really need like a, we need a rally truck, like you know, we need something to yeah. you break down and, and none of us had one. So when I got my shots done, I was like, Hey, have you seen the cover of Dennis Rodman's biography, autobiography, bad as I want to be, it's him yep. on a motorcycle, I think. And he's naked and he just has like a basketball over his junk <laughs> and like some basketballs around. I was like, I want to recreate that with me on a moped. And yeah. instead of basketballs, I want to use helmets. Awesome. So I got, I got naked in this like photo shoot. Hmm. Use my own helmet for my junk, by the way, and other <laughs> helmets scattered around. And I was like, oh, I want to uh, do a fundraiser where if, like, if you donate, I think it was $50, then I would like send you a print of this. Here's I was going to say, are you going to send them nudes or something? <laughs> basically, like a calendar style nude. And I think I talked to both the mats and was like, maybe trying to get them to, if like the three of us did it, but, yeah. you know, spread out. It's hard to f- figure out. So I, I, I did my first and only GoFundMe and, you know, another huge regret is I think I had five people total that actually did want to get the print. Mm-hmm. People I knew, like friends. Yeah. And I never got those prints done. Oh, what an asshole. Yeah. Fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, I still owe it to him. One of these days I'll get that print done. Um, That's a hard, a hard thing time. about making those commitments, dude. Like I, I, I'm good for you for at least having the, gumption to do a gofundme like i certain things here and there like oh gofundme would work i always have the fear nobody's gonna give me any money and shoot my self-esteem even lower but you had people it was a i, I feel you on that I, I i felt a little cringy doing it um this is what, which is why i wanted to give somebody or you know i wanted to have like a reason to do it like a take-home thing uh, as it turned out, most of the donations were like under 50 and they actually, some of the ones that were 50 did not want to have, <laughs> they did not want me to send that print, which I don't blame them for. Uh, but I do owe Kirsten, if you ever listen to this, I owe you one. Um, a couple other people, I owe you guys. One of these days, you're going to get a random message from me asking for your address. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it made... I wasn't looking for a lot of money. It wasn't like a, you know, the good GoFundMe's are like the people that have accidents, uh, which I love MA for like promoting those and everybody should donate to those because you never know when you're going to be in that scenario. And you've been there, Jim, like you've been in an accident 
a couple times. So like, that's, that's so important. Uh, this was sort of a frivolous one and I understood that. And so I did, I wasn't expecting a lot. We got enough to rent a U-Haul or rider or something so that we had like a, a truck for our breakdowns. And the only one they had was like a big box van. So we became, because I, because my bike, because I didn't take the fucking time to do it right before I got to Seattle, my bike was the first to break down. Hmm. And maybe not the very first, I think some didn't even make it off the finish line, but. And I just I'm, wanted to pause you for a second. We're talking about GoFundMes. Um, if anybody's still listening to this podcast, thank you so much for this late into it. And I love this long format we're going. I do want to bring up um, a, a GoFundMe that's recently been posted in the moped community. Eric's ALS diagnosis organized by uh, a lecturer, basically a, a member, I believe he's QCB Legion, a Legion member of Legion, uh, was diagnosed with ALS family, man. I do not know this person, but like, only thing I've heard about Eric is nothing but positive things. He has a bucket list thing he's trying to do. He's trying to ride across the country on uh, two-wheel vehicles. I have little to no information, but I figured this might be a good time to talk about that. Um, go check it out. I know a lot of people on the East Coast are supporting that. They've smashed through a couple of their goals. Um, I have I I donated to something else um timo's uh go fundraiser on the next moped paycheck i get this is my money's gonna go towards this um yeah i feel very lucky that you talked about gofundme is my accents um my family is very math wise we'll say and i had um i i was lucky enough not to need outside assistance after my accident um but never nobody uh, Nobody feel ashamed to ask for help. That's what the community is here for. And I just wanted to chime in with that a little bit, but yeah. So sorry for interrupting you, but it was for a good cause, if you will. No, I'm glad you brought that up. That's kind of what, uh, what I was thinking of in the back of my head when I, when I, when I mentioned that, um, you don't see it very often on the Moped Army general forum, but when you do see it, um, you know, take a look. Mm -hmm. These are not, uh, these are, these are actually good causes. These are, these are families that could really help with just a little bit from the community each time. Yep. Um, if you have anything to give, this is, this is the stuff to give to not, not a jerk like me just trying to do pinball run three, um, <laughs> fully, fully support that. Um, yeah. and thanks for bringing that up. I don't know if we have like the, uh, the website that we can, I will or post something on the second chance of moped podcast, um, on our pages we have, um, like I said, I don't know this individual, but my friends vouch for him and they say he's nothing but rad guy. He's got new people in the moped. So he's good and thumbs up in my world. So. Yeah. Yeah. Legion is tight. Um, I know Danny pretty well, Danny Provincia that's in it's the kind of started that group. And so okay. it's gotta be good people. Please, yeah, yeah. please help them out. But um, back to simpler and happier subjects, <laughs> pinball three. You did you, what'd you guys do for a chase vehicle then? So, uh, with the donation money, we spent all of that on renting a truck. And because, you know, it's, I think, I think it was like seven days and a lot of mileage. Mm -hmm. um, so we rented a truck and anybody that did donate to me 
you can rest assured that your money went to a good place because we became almost the de facto rally truck. Um, awesome. Everyone that broke down, our motto was like, leave no moped behind. So mm-hmm. I was bummed because personally, uh, out of my own negligence, was not able to like ride a moped down the coast. Uh, I didn't make it very far. But what I did get to do was um, help out all the riders that broke down, get to know a lot of riders. There was a lot of team randos out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Just people that had showed up solo with just absolutely no (laughs) plan. And I was happy to, I guess, in like- Nobody could see Mike's Mike's face right there. Like they showed up for like a Sunday ride. Like no- Dude, it it was so (laughs) surprising to me. these guys had, you know, just no, like no support, no plan. And I was happy to, to jump in and be that support. Like me and Matt and Matt, um, we were very happy to be the people that were able to do that, even though it meant that one of our bikes was down. So the other bike made it all the way down to San Luis Obispo. Um, fortunately, we didn't get, we didn't progress past that point, but we stayed with the rides uh, the whole way, just like swooping up vehicles as they, as they got broken down. So um, mm-hmm. the, the whole experience was great. Uh, unfortunately, and for this podcast, I can't, speak to what the grueling hours on the bike were like, because that was not my experience. My experience, whereas listening to AM radio in a rider truck, uh, typically with a couple people that I didn't know so well next to me, getting to know them and uh, going to the next meetup place and sort of working on bikes uh, by flashlight. That was kind of like my experience of Pinball Run 3. So let's hear, how long did you actually last though? Was it like hours? So outside of outside of Seattle, it's there was this one. I got outside of the city limits. Let's say that, and then there was this one hill straight up, and my bike just could not do it. And I have several theories for why. Most of it is just my naivete at the time. I also. uh, One of the mats wanted to use a type of oil that I'm not familiar with, and I think it was the the. Castro, castor oil, Cast- oh, yeah, castor oil. Okay, and I've always used synthetic, and I've never used that stuff before. But uh, he got it at a good price for really cheap, and we were like, okay, let's use that as as our oil. And um, <laughs> I might have mixed it wrong, honestly, because I it when I finally took the cylinder off that night after not being able to go up the hill at all, like r- like pedaling it as hard as I could up the mm-hmm. hill. The hill never ended. So yeah. It kept going and going and going and going. It it was like a mountain pass or something. Mm -hmm. So that's how quickly I was like deemed out. But I did get the chance to like take apart the cylinder and stuff. And yeah, there was a lot of castor oil buildup on the inside. I think it was way too rich. And again, you know, you learn, this is how you learn stuff. Yep. I, I, I got to wrench on Matt's bike. His bike made it over the pass. We made some modifications. Um, and again, like his bike made it all the way into San Francisco, down to San Luis Obispo. Uh, we were we were working on our backup engine, trying to t- trying to rebuild it, and we got the call from Matt, who was on the moped in in San Luis Obispo, and he's like, "The bike just died. I don't know what I don't know what it was. It just died." Um, it was pretty late at night. We were probably two hours away from him, so he was like, "You know what, man." I'm, I'm right next to a bar. I'm just going to lock this bike <laughs> up and we're out. And, and me and the other Matt were like, dude, you've earned it. Like just yeah. have yourself a little night. We'll be there as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, as an aside, I, I want to 
for once once again, thanks ben, thank Benji and Treats. Um, while we were in San Francisco, they were so generous with like parts that we needed for the run. Um, such a pillar of the community, man. Like such yeah. such nice guys. I actually want to send them this calendar print as well, just as like a fuck you joke. <laughs> but I also think like you a, should. Thank you so much. Yeah. And if you make one, I'll hang one in my shop, you know, whatever. I'll send one to you, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I love random things sent to me in the mail. They were coming more and more frequently. And now it's just like, oh, what more better? How the fuck did they get my address? But whatever. Um, <laughs> but so you you fail, you, you, you didn't make pinball three we um, failed in san luis obispo we, we and where's that to a uh, ignorant kid from southern minnesota like right you, so you're you saying know, Seattle, this fancy spanish word that i got some of but it's so it started in seattle mm-hmm. and it was supposed to end just uh just outside of mexico in san diego mm-hmm. um and so san luis obispo is about halfway okay it's actually further than halfway because it's like halfway down california coastline so we made it further than halfway, but San Luis Obispo to LA in a car without traffic is probably two and a half to three hours. And LA wasn't the finish line. It was no. a few days later. So, so uh, we, we were four days short, three or four days short of the, of the full thing. Um, but what was cool about it, like the whole experience is even though it was a competition, um, for the most part, all the people participating were really helpful to each other. Mm-hmm. So we would pull over and try to help anytime that we, because I mean, I was out of the race. What the fuck? Do I yeah, yeah. But you know, our rider wouldn't because he had to, to ride the race. But for the most part, all the support teams or the people that weren't riding that day were very, very helpful to the other riders that were mm-hmm. experiencing distress because you're definitely allowed to like, you know, fix your bike on the side of the road. Um, and that part of it was so cool to see and mm-hmm. so reaffirming and Carrie was long for that, like, uh, taking amazing footage and pictures yeah. of, of the whole process. Um, so it was still night, moped, even though it was a race, it's still mopeds where nobody really takes it that seriously. Which there, is uh, awesome. there was well, two, yeah, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, but that's how a rally is too. Like you're always mm-hmm. gonna find a couple people taking it too seriously. Um, every night, like there was either a campsite or like a group hotel kind of thing. And mm-hmm. even though you shouldn't, like people would kind of have a couple beers and just be like, "Oh God, I'm exhausted. Like, <laughs> gotta get up so early tomorrow to get the start." Um, but a lot of camaraderie and a lot of like, "Oh, you did really great today," and like, or like waiting for the last, making sure the last people got in safely. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, everyone cared for each other. It was not cutthroat. And from from my understanding, that's kind of how the whole that's how the whole series was the whole time. And it's also how uh Baker's is. Yeah. Um, so let's we we've dabbled in it. Let's talk about the LA workshop where you're you're at now. I believe you're you got are you guys in session right now? No? Okay, but um why don't you no. talk about your you the foundation, everything, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about LA workshop. Yeah. And that's a good segue because, um, doing pinball run three, uh, really highlighted my deficiencies in, in mopeds. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of, at that, at that point I could swing a wrench. I knew what tools I needed for at least for an E50, you know? Um, 
I knew how to rebuild one real quick, uh, but there were some gaps and it really like highlighted that for me, but it also um, kind of reminded me about how fun it was to work on bikes and how much I kind of had missed it when I was just riding motorcycles and scooters that just did what they were supposed to do. <laughs> um, so a couple years after pinball three, maybe just one, maybe two, um, hanging out more and more with the woolly bullies, um, still didn't ride mopeds a ton in LA. I had a few, but I was mostly on scooter, a scooter. Um, we had a local bar that we go to and everybody kind of would go off work Friday, Saturday, even Thursday. Um, and Nicole from Gaskets and from, she's a Gasket and a bully. She was, she's a good friend of mine. And then we would hang out at the bar and just kind of talk mopeds. Mm-hmm. And she had mentioned that it was kind of frustrating sometimes that it was hard to find a good way to learn about mopeds in person. And I agreed with that because even though I've had those opportunities in the past, 77 shop and SF and Lester shop, Austin mopeds, um, here in LA, like choke was gone and it was sort of, you didn't have that many options. And as a female rider and wrencher, she was like, yeah, I kind of want to, it'd be great if there was like just kind of some other way to like teach people or, or for me to learn too. Cause she's always trying to learn more and more about wrenching. Like she's, she's great like that. She like wants to really know how to like make her bikes run all the time. And it, it doesn't come naturally to her either. So we talked about that, like how it doesn't, it didn't come naturally to me. It took a very long time. I was, I've been in mopeds and bikes for a long time. And my current knowledge is like probably what some of the creatures that taught me when I first got into it is, you know, that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a pretty long learning curve. And we, the more we talked about it, the more we thought maybe we were in a unique position to be able to make a class that could cater to people that were maybe a little bit intimidated by learning this stuff because mm-hmm. there's a lot of good information out there but if you don't know the terms then you don't know what you're looking for and we all know how the forums go like yeah depends <laughs> on the day you post and like who answers it like what kind of mm-hmm. question you're going to get or answer i should say um and it is intimidating and it's also intimidating personality wise for some people to admit that they don't know something or to feel like they're being talked down to or like pushed away like let me do it for you real quick and i think especially for female writers um they maybe experience that more often where they're sort of like told to step aside and that that's something for myself i can honestly say i am consciously working on not doing because i'm still a gorilla caveman you know let me do this for the woman thing and like generally they probably know more than me so like and i'll be the first one to admit that like i've got it's whenever I'm around somebody who's new. I got to always ask myself, how big is your ego today, Jim? Because they probably know a lot more than what you give them credit for. So no, uh, that's the hardest part is, uh, is because it's harder to explain something than to do it. Mm -hmm. I feel like. So that's, that's where we were coming from is that it's harder to explain and sit back and let someone else do it than it is to sort of be like, oh, you want this to work? Like, let me just do it real quick. Cause like, I, <laughs> I can't explain it to you, but I can, I could do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I think that's where a lot of us are at. Like, at least I can say, like we talked earlier with myself, like I can do a lot of stuff, but I can't explain a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Um, and you know, I think, I think you interviewed Maya, like Maya's great. Uh, uh, she is so down to work on her bikes and Mm -hmm. has quite a few at this point. Um, always gung ho to like do a wrench session and, uh, and learn more and like figure stuff out on her own too. Like she's not, she's not one of the people that would show up to the shop and like need constant, you know, like, what do I do next? Like she, she likes to like dissect it and get into it. Um, but she, she just wasn't having enough opportunities to like learn at her pace and everyone has their own pace. And Nicole had the same issue, I believe, um, where, you know, she needed some fundamentals first so that mm-hmm. she could kind of wrap her full head around it. And a lot of moped mechanics is like high speed. It's like side of the road shit. So it's mm-hmm. just like, what do I do right now to get this working? Um, First you buy a lock and then you call Uber and then you go right. pick it. No, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> I'm Couple the worst locks. roadside. I'm the worst roadside mechanic. Now I don't even fucking try. I'm like, Oh, not working. Look at two things. No plug check gas, check plug. No, we're going home. Uh, roadside is one of my absolute favorite things. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the things I wanted to be able to teach is like, you know, with mopeds, there is roadside mechanics you can do a lot of bikes. There's nothing you can do, but with mopeds because it's like so few tools really that you need to like really get into it. Like if you just have a couple of things, like you can make a lot of changes. If you have a 10 and a 13, you're 98% there. You're pretty good shape. Yeah. (laughs) Deep 10. Uh, so that was the brainchild behind it. It was basically Nicole saying like, you know what, it would be cool if there was like another resource away for, for people to learn mopeds, like in a, in a less high stress environment. And I took it as like, I would like to learn more myself, but I would also like the best way to learn is to like learn how to teach others. So I had to do a ton of reading. Like I knew these things for the most part, uh, abstractly but in order to teach it to somebody you really got to know it all the way otherwise i felt like a fraud yeah so i did some like real deep reading back into like two-stroke manuals of the past and like you know uh bell jennings and like you know not deep i'm not i'm not some of the greats out there like graham mozing and like some of the other guys that like really know this stuff i'm not an engineer and i will be the first to say that what i am is a guy that didn't know shit and eventually knew enough shit to be able to fix his bike and make it keep running. And I had to break down enough times to learn that. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a couple of times you break down all by yourself and you really want to know that. So Moped Workshop LA was sort of like a solution to that problem where it was like, hey, it's a free class. That was the one thing. Like we never wanted to charge anybody for this class. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we did a raffle one time. We like, like, raffled off its homos. We did some other stuff like to, to raise some money for some treats parts that we needed. But by and large, the idea was like anybody, anybody that wants to can walk in. You can be a guru. Mm-hmm. You can be a brand new person with no bike at all. Please come to our class. Tell us what you want to learn and we'll try to teach it to you. We have like a basic syllabus, but it, you know, it was basically us coming up with it at a bar. Like we were trying to figure it out. So year one, we worked on a Tomos and kind of like everything was sort of a class type thing where we would like mm-hmm. talk about concepts 
uh, I think I mentioned that we like had people take carbs apart just to get their hands on stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. That seemed to be the most effective one. So for year two, which was last year, we decided, Hey, let's, let's get a bike, make it a maxi easy. Yeah. E50 platform. Yeah. E50 platform tells you, it shows you everything. Mm-hmm. It shows you, 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 the best part is the clamshell. You take it yeah. apart. You're like, do you see what each thing does? Every moped is this. Every mm-hmm. engine is this. But this is the most simplistic way that I know to show you what yep. all of these parts do. So we had the whole class and our, our motto was like, because <laughs> it was Mike, Mike, and Nicole. Me, <laughs> Mikey, and Nicole. It was no mics touch the bikes. That was the motto. <laughs> That's awesome. So we were like, let's strip this maxi down. Here's the tools that you need. Go to town. If you have any questions, ask us. So they tore the bike down. The class did. Um, one of my favorite members of the class came a few days into it, uh, Ethan, and he he didn't have a bike, had never had a moped or a motorcycle, had just heard about the class, maybe from Instagram, I'm not even sure, and was like, it just seemed like something cool to learn. And That's awesome, dude. That dude was so rad. Like, just was like thought about because I would always kind of give like a spiel at the beginning, like, here's what we're going to do today really quickly overview. Let's get into it. Um, and each time like has some really, really good questions, like coming from, from someone that knew, uh, I mean, very smart guy, probably, probably did some engineering and stuff, but, uh, cause he had, he had the right questions, but, um, didn't know much about moped. So it was, it was really interesting having to ask his questions cause they were almost coming from like a different perspective, but, uh, yeah. So over the course of the year, we were able to, you know, take this bike apart, rebuild it, kit it, port it, um, pipe, carb tune, you know, each time we would have to figure out what we were going to do for the next class and like, what would be the what best way to do it? Teaching people how to use Dremels, how to use, uh, and I should here, I should definitely shout out Lucky Wheels Garage in Los Angeles. Um, it's now just a motorcycle shop. I say mm-hmm. just, it's a good motorcycle shop. Take your motorcycle there. But, um, Last year and and the five preceding years, it was a DIY sort of like community shop. So if you paid a monthly fee, you could just use all the tools. Yeah. So we actually had access to lifts. Like these mopeds were on lifts. We had real tools. And they they let us use that space for free because they were such nice guys. Um, And they even started like stocking some like moped only parts. So like people, like like a a choke junior, like for LA. yeah. So we were able to like use the whole shop and the whole point, like I'm saying is like, I wanted to be able to reach people that were like me when I first got into mopeds that didn't know a carb from a cylinder mm-hmm. and just give them the fundamentals in a very low pressure way and a way that like they be conducive to how they wanted to learn. So it's like, I'm not shaking a carburetor at you, like <laughs> telling like a diagram, but if, you know, take it apart, look at it, put it back together, clean it. Let's talk about it. And talk about how it works show them how an e50 works how it transmits power from the cylinder through the crank all the way to the final drive gear um kind of go through what the terminology is and then go through best practices about how to use tools there's kind of like fundamentals fundamentals it was never like here's how to build the best moped ever or here's the only way to do it mm-hmm. and i would always try to like color the lectures i call them lectures i hate that word <laughs> I, I would always try to like color that with like there's lots of ways to do this. Here's the best way I know. Yeah. And 
if there was uh, subjects, which there are plenty that I didn't know about, uh, I would I would try to bring in like outside people. So we had Jeff from Choke come in for like a, a Tomo specific session. That's right. And, uh, we've had people teach timing and like port port timing, which is like a which is a little bit above what we we're trying to do. But yeah, yeah. And I'm still learning about that. I've got a uh, my buddy Lee, who's another. I always surround myself, and I think you're a lot the same. I always like to surround myself with smarter people than myself. And Lee is teaching me about some, we're going to have a little porting party. And I'm actually supposed to go out to Graham Matzo Balls or Matzin's uh, farm here sometime oh, this really? winter. Yeah, yeah. I, Graham's a super nice guy. Him and I chat so each great. other. Yeah, he lives about an hour from me. So like him and I chat at each other a couple times a week. And like, he, again, all you mopeding old lore, like everybody's having kids and, yep. you know, Graham, Graham's little boys are rad and his wife's super nice. And like one of these days we'll get together, but you know, that port timing and understanding how, cause like I'm a person, I'll be the first one to admit, I know how to slap a motor together. And like my buddy Lee said, a lot of people don't understand why the motor goes together. And there's a whole theory and principle behind that. And Lee's a, Lee's, it's just weird how this whole moped community works and how we all meet each other and how we all know each other. Um, he ends up, he's best friends with Andy who was on the podcast and I never knew this. And it's just, it's, it's weird, weird world we live in in mopeds. Um, so how was that trying to teach people with less than, you know, less we'll just say less than a year of mopeds about port timing and stuff like that was that you, you can only do so much and i think we did a lot um mm -hmm. it was a i can't remember the like there's a phrase for this but basically we were doing it for ourselves like we mm -hmm. we thought this was a worthy cause and we were devoting our time nicole mike and i and, and jason as well from the bullies and a lot of the other boys came to support and would and would help out too and a couple times we would do like an open shop where people would bring in their bikes and we would just try to help diagnose um but it was we were doing it for ourselves because we felt like it was worthwhile and it 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 made us feel good and it yeah. um it felt really like community oriented uh you know you could never tell how many people would show up to a given class it was mm -hmm. never the same the second year we decided to Every, every class you showed up to, you got a raffle ticket. And then we, the bike that we built, we powder coated this bike. We put a Polini on it. You know, we fucking tuned it. Mm -hmm. We built a fucking sick maxi by the end. And we were just raffled it off for free. Nice. And the raffle tickets could only be obtained by attending the classes. That's right. So however many classes you attended, that's how many chances you had. And the fucking irony was the dude that attended one class won. <laughs> that's not even irony i don't know what that is but like, no that's oh that's that's like the new person at the rally went in a bike or the person who's not really in the scene wins the bike like but that uh, shit makes me happy it it was i mean it was a good because most of the people in that class had several bikes and this mm -hmm. guy actually this guy richard had just gotten one nicest dude he just hadn't heard of his class it wasn't his fault yeah uh, i have no animosity towards him but uh it was just sort of like some of the people there, like with a bunch of tickets, were just like crestfallen. Yeah, uh, but he has been ripping on that thing since that day. So uh, he Dude, definitely deserved so awesome. it, and I'm so happy that he got it. But no. uh, the, the shop closed. Okay. And then and then coronavirus happened. I say closed. It closed to 
as a membership shop. It's now just a shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then coronavirus hit. So obviously we can't do anything in person. Um, I recently kind of signed into the Instagram account because that was always Nicole's deal. Mm-hmm. And I've just been posting from what I have been doing during coronavirus. So that's like the latest stuff. Moped Workshop LA mm-hmm. is sort of. I was going to ask uh, you, what is the Instagram account for that? Is it Moped Shop LA? Yeah, it's Moped Workshop LA. Okay. Just one one string. Right on. Um, and uh, I've just kind of been trying to help people out with bikes these days. Uh, I'm actually working on a potential moped film project. That's awesome. I'm all get in. I mean, it, and I'll cut you off because it sounds like you're yeah. very hesitant to talk about it. And like, I'm all about moped content. Like, I know Thomas and Jason, they talk about that on Moped Monday podcast. I always feel like I'm with my dyslexia. I want to turn it around, but whatever. Um, dude, this is not, there's no competition in moped co- content. Like I have a yeah. couple hundred listeners. I don't have as many as them, but like, you know, you say you do that. You were doing the workshop for yourself. That's why I do this. I do this for myself. And if people like it, awesome. But like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. It's getting, it's expanding. Can I expand the scene doing this? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a moped dork in this basement in St. Paul, Minnesota. Like that's, (laughs) I I love mopeds and that's what makes me so happy. Well, even the possibility of any type of moped, you know, documentary or film or whatever, like I can't, say enough to people go check out travis when he puts out a new video i know that um wiring for that hobbit was very useful for me because i like oh, the way yeah. he went about doing some stuff his hobbit tutorials when i finally got into hobbits um super helpful for me mm-hmm. as well and in fact like during lockdown i thought maybe moped workshop la would become sort of like some some really well produced videos i was hoping mm-hmm. to do that I bought some some lights from Amazon and like borrowed some gear from work, um, <laughs> like some cameras and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I had them all kind of set up, and I was like working on lighting. And then the weight of quarantine and coronavirus was just too heavy. I was like, I don't have any inspiration to do this right now. Yeah, yeah. I just well, don't wanna... with that, what's writing like for you these days? Well, are you getting, um, are you getting out? My scooter riding? got stolen. So I'm back on mopeds. That's there, kind of well, the best. That was the best news of last year. Yeah. Last year. <laughs> so I had a bunch of mopeds, not a bunch. I had a couple mopeds that I was like slowly building. I'm a very slow builder. If it's for me, I do mm-hmm. like, it's meticulous, man. Like it's, it's pathological. Like I will, I have a Hobbit that's behind me here um, that I'm afraid if I move it, it'll mess up my audio. But I've been working on this Hobbit for probably seven years. Oh, um boy. Just because I have other bikes to ride. So I'm just yeah, like, yeah. it's just like a slow thing I'm tinkering on. But the other bikes generally, like I, I'm not in a hurry to make them run. So mm-hmm. I, uh, cause I usually have a scooter or some other bike to take me around. So my scooter got stolen. Suddenly I needed a way to get to work again. And mm-hmm. the next closest thing that was running was one of my maxis. So I just dove into it and I'm back on that ZA50 train these days, like heavy, heavy nice. on the ZA50. I got the I got the factory tools. I traded an entire Urban Express for like the the factory measuring tools. Awesome. Um, that one of the bullies got me from uh, Sean at Myron's. 
and I'm so, so happy to have it because I've been building, I now have uh, five ZA50s that I'm working on right now. Oh, wow. Um, you, you went deep in that rabbit hole, it sounds like. Deep, yes. <laughs> I uh, got a, there's a new kid who, and he lives out just a suburb, just a little east of St. Paul. He got a UPS Magnum and like, it's, yeah. it's a little rough, but I'm like, dude, who gives a shit? Don't fucking worry about it. But he's like down the ZA rabbit hole. He doesn't know if he wants to build the motor himself or have somebody build it for him. And he's just like, I'm like, dude, you got a winner. Don't worry about it. You got, you got more than one running moped. It's all right. One thing I do want to do, speaking of ZA is, is I watched, uh, what's the YouTube channel fixes his shit. What's his name? Uh, fix- Jim. No. Bill fixes his shit. Shoot, sorry. It's all right. No plug. No plug here yeah. for him. But um, it, it's a pretty good no, channel. Another YouTube channel, huh? What? No. <laughs> it, oh, it's not a podcast. It's, it's a you know. It's like a he he works yeah. on a bunch of different bikes, and he has one moped, one or maybe two series, and one is a ZA uh, UPS Magnum. Awesome. And I watched his his like reassembly of the transmission, and he does a lot of things great. Like he. He, I don't know if he vapor blasted it or what, but he got those cases so clean, all new bearings, great. But what he didn't do was do any kind of shim measuring at all. And I was just like, oh, I was yep. like, you gotta, you gotta yeah. do it on the cranks. Um, yep. Which is why this tool that I got was like such a big annoying thing for me. Like to try to, first I tried to figure out if I could find another tool that I could use for it or like make yeah. one or like mass produce one. And then I finally found one, but, um, I think what I'm going to do for the rest of this Corona year and going into next year while we're still in lockdown is try to make kind of the de facto ZA video where it's like. Mm. There's not a lot of content out there for them, from my understanding. I mean, I'm not a huge ZA guy, but like that's the mystery is ZAs. Well, the problem is it's never an overhead camera view. Mm hmm which I always find like so aggravating, like not aggravating, but it's like, I just want, I want to see what you're doing. You know, like I want to, I want to see like, what's the guts look like. Mm-hmm. And as with any how-to video, like you inevitably like forget to say a thing or, or do a thing. So my idea is like, what, just cause I have all this free time. I just want to make one that's kind of like, I've completely thought it out ahead of time. I tear a ZA down, I build a ZA up, I explain where you have to make those measurements, all the ways to do it. Because I started to worry these days, like there's not that many ZAs left in the world. Mm-hmm. I've blown up two myself. Like I am a guilty person. Those are gone. Like yeah. some of the parts were scavenged, but like nobody's making those cases again. Yep. So nothing against somebody that, that doesn't know what they're doing and blows up a ZA. It happens to all of us. But if I can do like one small thing where somebody can easily reference a video that shows them sort of the, all the things you need to take into consideration with shimming and, and, and tolerances, because those are never like kind of really covered on ZA videos um, mm-hmm. to make sure that there's stuff last, even with the kit, then uh, <laughs> I will have done my duty at this age as a moped guy. Well, that's awesome, dude. And again, I'm all about moped content. It doesn't matter. Like, I'd like to see more just ride video. Like, I remember seeing somebody showing like uh GoPro video of a ride we just got done. I'm like, I don't care. But now it's like because it's getting winter time in Minnesota and like we haven't been to rail, it's like, 
oh, I just want to see anything. Like I'm just yeah. a moped nerd like that. So that's, I guess that's right. awesome. Yeah. We have, you know, LA weather, man. It got a little bit cold. Uh, what it got down to bad. 55, 60, uh, 70. 60. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. Uh, not even that cold. Um, rides have been weird. Uh, there's a scene change happening in LA. Um, the bullies uh, are kind of hibernating. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think their latest prospect was Hecky, who's the greatest, but he's with LSLB right now while he's in school over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just have, you know, they haven't done any any group rides and stuff. I think it's just it's just the, it's an off year. It's not a rally year for them. And meanwhile, um, Chupacabras took up some slack. They mm-hmm. did a couple rides early on in the pandemic, um, and then cross valley that Maya's a part of uh, have been doing kind of the majority of the rides and then there is like this new fun crew that's like kind of coalescing that i'm watching um basically through like an instagram chat nice. that is uh kind of just a disparate group of young riders younger than me i should say or newer to mopeds um mm-hmm. that are hey you guys want to ride it's called saturday night lights and uh they just kind of like hit each other up like on this chat like they're all just like individual moped riders that are just kind of and i'm hoping that there's like a group forming there out of mm-hmm. all of that but you know i don't know if if the idea of like a moped club still works for los angeles or if that's something that people will do anymore or if people that are if it might be like a concept that is in the past only i'm not it's hard to tell yeah it'll be really interesting once we break out of this isolation we're all having to especially right now what's going on in the news last couple weeks with the surges um 2021 is gonna be fucking rad dude because i'm i'm such a positive person like i think you're gonna be seeing and this is just my forecasting i'm a nobody in the moped scene don't so don't put too much weight behind it i think you're gonna see some of these older clubs die off but i think you're gonna see some resurgence of like a bunch of kids like in their mid to early 20s because mopeds aren't cheap anymore i mean we're kind of pricing them out i mean you're not buying you're not finding running hundred dollar bikes i mean you're fine you can find them here or there but they're usually on a pallet or something like that and but I think you're going to see mopeds. I look at what's going on in Richmond. I look at what's going on over here in St. Paul right now, the way things are kind of shaping up and um, just some outside characters around Minnesota. I, I just got a feeling like you're going to see this boom in mopeds again. But, I hope so. You know, I hope things, so much. Yeah. And things <laughs> like what you're doing out in LA with the LA workshop, dude, like, keep doing your thing, dude. And I hope you're able to do it again after this Rona thing settles down. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. I just want to, I want to help foster new clubs or, you know, help them learn how to work on their own bikes. And, and what's interesting just real quick is like, you know, uh, Onyx, the electric. Yeah, bike? yeah. There's like an Onyx group in LA and I yeah. see the zipping down my street or down Scare the fuck out of me dude i've seen those bikes i'm t- i won't get on one for the sole purpose i'll never get off one dude oh like, yeah oh my god it's those things so much fuck so hard like oh you my are 100 right uh, <laughs> it's so cool and like hey man if I, there's always going to be a place for moped clubs it's a it's a oily dirty 
thing where you get your hands dirty and you have a good Mm -hmm. time and and you can do a lot of it yourself but Mm -hmm. there is going to become a point where like electric motors are even easier even cheaper and obviously way fucking better yeah um and i see that like the writing on the wall with these like onyx rides that i see because you know the six or seven dudes and they go zipping by and it's like you just hear the wind being cut that's all you hear Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so cool and uh i got no hate I think it's hilarious. Um, I would love there to be like a rivalry between mopeds and oh, electric bikes, but there shouldn't be because they're like basically the same slot. I'm waiting for like the first electric bike gang to apply to be a part of moped army. Like that's going to be really interesting, dude. That's good. That like, I'm going to be on the sidelines, just like slowly clapping. Like, dude, well, I, I, you know, moped army is very, um, unstructured for the most part but i do believe there are some random bylaws written in like 96 or whenever this fucking website came out uh that's you know state what a moped is and so unless those get updated which i think is i would might be down for that um are there bylaws like with moped well it's like, like what a moped is kind of like and then like what a club needs to do to apply like what a club needs to it's very it's it's not a lot um mm-hmm. but i do believe it, it is like a moped is like a two-stroke from with pedals that's under 50 unless it's kitted like i think there's like a little spiel about what a moped is somewhere mm-hmm. and i and i don't mean i'll, to have, to, I'll have to ask so simon sweet. someday <laughs> ask simon get simon on this podcast because simon's great um, well i had him he was the very first guest and for some yeah, reason simon, oh, i got it I gotta rewind and watch that shit. Well, it's only on um, SoundCloud. For some reason, it yeah. did load to my other formats, and that with that, folks, I'll do a little segue here. You can find Second Chance Moped Podcast on all your lovely platforms that you find your podcasts at. There we go. We're on I'm iTunes, Stitcher, except for that one for some reason. Uh, Spotify, um, SoundCloud, obviously. Just look us up. You'll find us. Google Play. Um, I know like four people that religiously listen to this on Google. Hmm. I I didn't even Google know. Play. it was a Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Rock and roll, man. <laughs> no, neither have I. I loaded it to Google play cause I thought it, but whatever. Um, but yeah, go rate us, give us five star reviews. I'll love you forever for it. But anyways, back to mopeds and the greatness that they are. Um, can't thank you enough for coming on mike um as i yeah as i always tell people once you're on second chance moped podcast if you ever find yourself in minnesota for any reason you always have a place to stay at my place and if it's not during rail uh if the casserolers have their rally you're more than welcome to stay at my house i can't guarantee you any loners i'll have a couple bikes available tyler Tyler would have me a loaner yeah damn right you should um I had speaking of Lee, who I talked about earlier in the podcast, he was in my basement the other day. He's like, huh? So what are you going to do when 50 people show up to your house expecting a place to stay? I'm like, dude, I got a basement and it's either going to be like 50 people or nobody's showing up, which either way I'm cool with. I got a big backyard. People get yeah. bitch tents too. Um, no, that's the beauty of the rally, man. Yeah. You yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. R- rock and roll. But again, thank you so much. Why don't you stick around? I'll talk to you for half a second after the podcast. I can't thank you enough for coming on Second Chance Moped Podcast. We had a week off, but this is going to be the longest podcast we did, which makes me happy. 
Um, nah, Mike's give me some shit, dude. This is one of my favorites I've done to date. But with that, Mike, I gotta remind you, mopeds are dumb. <laughs>